Welcome to the Search the Scriptures podcast, where we dive into scripture and provide the explanation of it in the most accurate light that we can. Search the Scriptures is a podcast that is dedicated primarily to the Christian, challenging our brothers and sisters along with ourselves to see if we have set aside the commands of God to set up our own traditions. To do this, we use scripture to explain scripture. Please join us on this journey. Uh, the topic I, I chose to teach on was marriage, sex, divorce, and being unequally yoked. And they put in the question First uh, Corinthians 7. And so we're going to stay mainly in First Corinthians 7. We're going to read about half of that, that chapter. Um, and in that, we're going to discuss all, all of those things, marriage, sex, divorce, and being unequally yoked, because they all take place in First Corinthians 7. So. We can go to the first slide. <clears throat> it says, now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should, should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that they may devote them, uh, yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. <clears throat> so the, the chapter starts out talking about, um, mainly about the, the, the sexual interaction between husband and wife, um it's I, I feel like it didn't used to be controversial uh but now it's turned into somewhat of a controversy mainly because uh the wife does not have control authority over her own body and the man doesn't have authority over his own body but um you know the, the scripture very clearly uh, says that that that's the case right and so um if if I guess the best way I could put it is if if you're not ready to let that happen, then perhaps abstinence and marriage isn't for you. You know, um, my wife and then I'll hear you. Uh, my wife um, a while back um, was talking about us eating better and, you know, I'm, I'm diabetic and all that kind of stuff. And, and she's worried about that as she should be. And, um, and she's like, well, you know, we're going to start eating better and all that kind of stuff. And I said, well, just so you know what that means is if I start eating better, then my testosterone is going to go up and um, I'm going to I'm going to want to make love more often. Right. And and just so you know, that's on you, because what I'm not going to do is walk around lusting all the time or want to look at porn or all that kind of stuff. So uh, your your part in that is to fit, fulfill your womanly duty, I guess I'll say it like that. So uh, we'll hear Ronald, see what he has to say. You know, I find it to be so, I don't know, bizarre, if it's the best word, but I notice how it's always used one way, even though it says also that a man's body is for, you know, the wife, it's always to be used to uh, 
um, okay. the other way around. Like it, it just concentrates on, you know, the woman's side of the scripture. I have a hard time really understanding. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I can understand it because just the, I mean, the way I understand it, like men are more built that way than women, and that's fine, you know. But the scripture does say it goes both ways, but um, but you know, so I, I don't know what to really do with that, other than just say if you're not prepared for that to actually happen, then you're not actually prepared for marriage. You know, so that's the way I view it, at least. G, you still got your hand up? <clears throat> there we go. So any other questions before we move on to the next slide? Oh, and I did I did want to say something here. Um, because I've always read this, at least I've always interpreted it uh, as as such. It says, um, do, uh, verse five, do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, so that you may devote yourself to prayer. And so um, you know, anytime that, that I've done, um, a fast, um, like sex is always a part of that fast. And when I was getting ready for this, I said, you know, it doesn't say that that has to be the case. Like I, I, I just assumed it was like part of the thing, you know, and I knew all the words and all that kind of stuff, but it said, except perhaps an agreement for a limited time, you know? And so, um, you know, it's, it's, that's not necessarily the case, you know. Um, you could still, uh, you, it's not exactly talking, uh, specifically talking about fasting here, I guess, but um, it, it lends to that idea. But that doesn't mean that you have to do that, I don't suppose. Um, and I, I guess it's just the way I look at fasting is it's, it's uh, part of the reason the fasting is to uh, put our body in check. And so perhaps it's good to do that, but it's not required, I guess. Any questions, thoughts, or concerns? All right, so we can go to the next slide. Uh, so continuing in First Corinthians, um, now as a concession, not a command, I say this. So I'm gonna stop right there. So this happens three different times in this um, chapter seven that I'm uh, the part that, that I'm talking about anyway so here here um paul is telling us that um this is um uh, one, one of the translations says as as permission now as a permit like like he was he was given permission to say this thing but it's not a commandment of something that has to be done and we're going to talk about why but it says now as a concession not a command i say this i wish that all were as i myself am but each has his own gift from god one of one kind and one of another to the unmarried and the widows and so I, well, i'll stop right there i was i was thinking like maybe paul's thought his concession stopped here um but it doesn't seem to be the case it seems like it goes through the end of verse nine so to the unmarried and and the widows i say that it is good for them to remain single as i am but if they cannot exercise self-control they should marry for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. <clears throat> so Paul here, and, and we'll talk about it on the next slide, Paul here is talking about, um, he, he's using the word better. And I, I think that's why um, he's saying this as a concession rather than a command, um, because it's almost 
from his perspective, you know, not necessarily from um, God's perspective, if if I can say that carefully. So, um, you know, he, he's saying it, it's better off if a person um, can remain unmarried, but um, if they can't, and and he brings up, uh, you know, passion and self-control and all that kind of stuff. If they if they burn with that kind of uh, stuff or they have problems with self-control, it's better that they marry. Um, but um, I want to say, and I'll be glad to hear any feedback from this, that he's speaking from his own experience on on this situation, you know, because um, because marriage is not uh, the the idea of marriage and the people that get married don't do it just because they're burning with passion and just because they lack self-control. And that's kind of what it sounds like Paul is saying here. And, and, but I'm thankful that he, he gave the prerequisite. It's like, this is just something that I'm saying, but it's not a commandment of God in that way. So any questions on that? Uh, I would say as a um, comment on that, that, uh, well, continuing on in First Corinthians seven, and I'm not certain. I should go back to this to see if you're going to go through this or not. But um, he's saying it appears he's saying that it's better that if, if you, that you stay unmarried because he says in First Corinthians seven, uh, thirty two, starting at thirty two, it says an unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please Him, but a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so yeah, and that that is uh, later on in the chapter. I don't even know if we actually go through that, um, but no, it doesn't because it's talking about as you're called. Um, and you know, and as I was studying this, it seems to me that that um, Paul is um, that he might be speaking from a place. That's that's why he was given permission to to say this. He might be speaking from a place of thinking like we all do that the lord is coming back soon now may, maybe that's not the case you know because uh, because of the betterness of it you know we'll, we'll talk about it more in the next slide but um you know if 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 he believed like like everybody in history since jesus uh, appeared that jesus coming was imminent then yes it would be better just to stay that way and just wait for the lord's return and and um and do that but there's also something that if if he's not coming back um speedily then there's something else that in my mind is better than what this is you know but we'll hear from, from ronald um i don't know can you hear me uh savoy i have the other headset on yes we hear you it sounds great oh uh, don't get started um you know, Eric was taking me some good notes from uh, what you said in the very beginning. But Savoy, the the, the scripture that you just stated, uh, what was the scripture again? That, that's coming later in First Corinthians chapter seven, uh, verses thirty-two through thirty-five. Okay, I appreciate it. That was it. Mm. Yeah, I don't think we're making it that far in this lesson, but. Um... The rest of chapter seven is really good. So if you want to go back afterwards, so. Um, and just, uh, basically the, the last part of it where it says, for it's better to marry than to burn with passion. I think other translation says lust. Um, 
but sex wasn't the premise of getting married in this scripture, or was it? Um, I think that's what he's definitely talking about in, in verse nine. Is that um, you know if if that's a problem for you, it's better to get married than to burn with passion. I think that's what he's talking about. I'm I'm open to being wrong, but. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that he's definitely talking about that in a sense to uh, for a primary reason to get married. I, I think that he is saying just that uh, that is better to uh, to marry in that sense. And, and that's and that's why I said, you know, it's possible that um, especially since he said the concession part, it's possible that he's speaking from his own perspective on this, um, because like. I would think that there's a lot of people that get married for other reasons than them burning with passion and lacking self-control. You know, like um, some people just want to be mothers and fathers like that. You know, so, um, you know, maybe this other thing is part of it, but um, it, it seems to me that Paul is leaving something out of the marriage relationship here. You know, and I'm saying that carefully because I don't want to look like I'm dogging Paul or anything like that, but uh, what's up, Eric? Hey, y'all. Well, I, I can say this much from my own experience, being young in the faith uh, way back in the early 2000s and seeing the scripture and, and wanting to live right, having a woman who I liked, which was a woman of God, and we're, we're burning with lust, but we was also dealing with so many other things. So what do we do? I read it, boom. We got married because I felt like we was burning with lust and, and some of everything else so that we could live right. Not realizing that, hey, I'm still lacking self-control in a lot of other areas that caused a lot of other issues. Long story short, fast forward, two kids later, we get a divorce. Now, as I look back on it, and and I do believe, and again, this is this is my opinion, and I and I only say this because Paul led with, you know, now is the concessions, not a command, but this is basically what he thought was his idea on it. I feel like even if you do get married, you still got to have an element of self-control. And and me, and I remember seeing the scripture back then and not having no self-control, um, thinking that, oh, me getting married is going to solve my issues of lust. Nope, still there because I was lacking the self-control and allowing the spirit to, you know, to lead and guide me. And even me with the untamed flesh, you know, I wasn't suppressing my flesh. And and not to say that Paul is wrong, because he's not. He's he's given his utmost opinion. And I know there are other scriptures where he's talking about an untamed flesh. But I know just for me in particular, I got married in the sake of, hey, I'm burning. I need to do something so that I can live right for God. And, and it worked. But however, because again, that flesh was not tamed, that was an issue for me. And I think for me and my vocal point, and even for the body of Christ right now, I think the, the more vocal point should be on, hey, tame your flesh before you get married or not, because you get married ain't going to resolve that issue of lust. Lust will still be there. It can help, but it's going to still be there if you don't do something different. Amen. 
And and I'll and I'll say this: the reason I, I brought up in this verse six, where it says knowledge of concession, um, it looks like the proper um, uh, term for that was actually permission. And so, and I, and I bring that up just simply because um, I, I don't want to get I don't want to get where Paul was saying something that was out of line. So if if the if the wording is now as permission for me to say this, it's it's still a good teaching. You know, it's just not a full agree, a full teaching, you know, and so um, and, and he even says it himself in verse seven, but each has his own gift from God, one of a, uh, one kind and one of another. And we'll, we'll I'll bring it up uh, when Jesus says pretty much the same thing is like like this thing that he's asking people to do. Um, he realizes that it's not for everybody to do. You know, it, it's some people's gift to, to live life this way. Uh, what's up, my bad also y'all my wife came in let me know one of my kids need a whip and i know y'all heard that <laughs> oh, actually, we didn't. <laughs> well good on you uh, put them on speaker next time i don't mind kids getting <laughs> uh, what's up, um, first hey eric that was a beautiful um just point of view and your your testimony by itself um, I just wanted to basically add the fact of the matter. There's still going to like this hindsight of what Eric said. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done. You know, like you said, sex is, you know, one part, but the lust relationships themselves. Uh, I love the point of view of understanding relationships are built. They're just not you just two people that get together. They like each other. That will sizzle out. That will fade away. Uh, marriage is work. It's two people understanding that sacrifice and um, surrendering their life to God and understanding that their bodies truly, like you said in the past verse, your bodies don't belong to you any, anymore. Therefore, the other person, the other, the other, your husband or, your, you know, the husband, you, your body belongs to your wife. That's the part that a lot of people, they rush into the relationship part that they don't understand that they have to surrender themselves. So, I think it is best to listen to what Paul says and understand that you might want to be single for a little while until you really get to a point of understanding. If I do and when I do get married, it's I'm surrendering my entire life to this, uh, my body to this other person. My life belongs to Christ. My body belongs to my spouse. And if that's missed, it is going to go left. It's not going to end well. I've uh, seen it too many times go to the other direction. So Great, great point, um, Ben, on this one right here. Yeah, yeah I just want to say that I'm going to call out the elephant in the room on this one. That uh, it is it's still better to marry than to burn with passion if, if the flip side of that is us living a lifestyle of fornication. It is absolutely better for us to marry than to fornic fornicate. Just going around for now you're involving several people in 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 your sins and and we're told to flee from such things and so uh and so i think it that paul is absolutely spot on when it comes to not just i don't know that this is necessarily what he was leading to where it's saying you know the fornication is the other side of this but just in this day and age now and the corinthians also had issues with this too now I think about it uh the, uh, the church of corinth that uh sex morality was running a while for for a moment if I, if I recall and but yes so it is it is it, we can't take the we can't look at what his advice is here and say well i'm uh it's not from the lord so i'm not going to necessarily pay attention to this and i'm going to remain i'm going to remain single 
I don't want to marry just because, um, even though I am burning with this passion, but then I'm going to still fornicate. Yeah. Uh, we can't have that, that, that part. Yeah. The, the, the whole of it. And, and like chapter seven has a lot of meat in it. And, um, you know, the, the main idea, all of everything is, um, you know, if, if you're going to follow God, then follow God, but you need to follow him rightly, I guess. And so what's the way of saying, like, if you're deciding marriage isn't for me, well, that equals celibacy is what that, that means. You know, it, it doesn't mean I get to go sleep with whoever I want to. It means I'm going to devote myself wholly to the Lord and I'm not having sex at all. That's exactly what it means. You know, so. <clears throat> uh, okay, I guess we can go to the next slide if nobody else has anything. <clears throat> so I was talking about um, whether or not it's whether or not it's if, if it's just better in Paul's eyes or whether it's it's better all around to be single and all that kind of stuff. And so um the scripture I brought up for the other side of the argument was uh, Genesis 1 27 28. It says so God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them and God blessed them and God said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And so I, I just bring this up just because um yeah I, I guess there's a good question if you're thinking about living that life kind of lifestyle is 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 it actually better to um uh, do what god commanded here and get married and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth or is it better to um devote yourself wholly to the lord you know and i guess to me it's it's a fine line because um if if i follow this genesis verse to me, it's there. There's a element of if I'm doing that right, then I'm devoting myself to the Lord in the exact same way, you know. Uh, but like Savoy pointed out le later on, it's talking about uh, the cares of this world and all that kind of stuff that that take us that they give us other priorities other than always keeping God um, in the forefront of our minds. But I wanted to bring this scripture up just to say, like the the commandment. Uh, one of the first commandments was to be fruitful and multiply. So, any questions or thoughts? And I think that's that's also why Paul wasn't given permission to give this as a command. He's like, well, you know, you're not going to override what I've commanded the people to do, right? Another time I had um, taught on Genesis, on this, this verse, um, I'll say something controversial here is that it seems to me that um, if this is a command that we're supposed to be following out, that um, perhaps we ought to seek out having more than two children among married couples. That's kind of uh, come into, um, how do I want to say? It's not as popular as it used to be with our parents and our grandparents and that, that kind of thing. But um, the the command here is be fruitful and multiply. Well, if if I'm one and my wife is one and we have two kids, we have not multiplied. We have reproduced. You know, so uh, there is a a difference there. Maybe Savoy can speak on that a little bit. But um, the last time I talked this, that was fairly, uh, a lot of people felt a certain kind of way. I'm not saying you're sinning if you only have one or two kids or any, anything like that, you know, but um, it seems to me that 
um, it, God might be more pleased if we actually multiply. Does that make sense? Go ahead, Sora. Well, I will say this. I, I like the way you call me out because I got, you know, between Kathy and myself, we have a plethora of children. Yes, sir. <laughs> but so uh, it's something that can be said about, uh, of course, having children. But it, he says in some words written that he says what he desires is godly offspring. Mm -hmm. uh, so is, if you're producing that, I I believe that you're you're fulfilling this. And I know where it says the multiply part there. I don't I don't think that it's necessarily something that we should place on a, a married uh, a married couple that hey you should be having more than two or three because I don't know that that's necessarily what this is saying here. Uh but uh he is commanding us to be fruitful. And this is this is truly, I believe, a blessing. In fact, I know it's a blessing because uh God says that that uh that that's a that that's a uh a a, a a gift directly from him. Offspring is a, is, a, is a gift directly from him. So it is a blessing in and of itself. What you got, Alexis? You muted, Alexis, if you're, if you're speaking. Yes, I was speaking. Sorry, guys. So what if you're married and you don't want to have children? You in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. What you got to say about that, Ben? Why, why would you do that? No. <laughs> um, I mean, there's to me, there's nothing to be said about, you know. I mean, it's not... it's. If if you're asking if you're if that's sinful or or something like that, you know I'm not prepared to say anything like that. You know, just like I'm not prepared. Like if you have one kid, I'm not saying well you're disobeying the commandment in in verse 28 here. You know that's not what I'm saying. Um, it, I'll, I'll go back to kind of what Savoy said, where it's it's the gift that he's giving you. You know, and so um, you know I I don't think that there's I I, I can't think of any scriptures where that would be condemned in any kind of way, you know? So, uh, and even when you read further on in Genesis that, you know, even with um, Abram and Sarah, you know, like, like God chose them and they, they couldn't have kids, you know, and, and that was on purpose, you know? And so um, I don't know if that answers your question, but. Uh, yeah. The only reason I was that, well, I'm not saying like me and my husband don't want kids. We can't like we, <laughs> got married i mean he had children before marriage i had children before marriage but we don't have no children together we are married but we yeah. don't have children together yeah and there's not necessarily anything wrong with that so what you got g I have a friend listening abroad and they were speaking about in uh in genesis you you know um well, what about Adam and Eve, their offspring and how they went off and had those popping kids out left and right. Right. And so were there a lot of people in, in the Old Testament that weren't married, but they were having children? And was it still considered sin or was it accepted at that time? Uh, let me get through a couple more slides and we're going to talk about that for a little bit. OK. Hey, before you do, though, uh, Eric had his his hand up. You going to say something, Eric? Okay, and before that, if I don't end up answering your question, ask it again after a couple of slides. Well, no, I put it back down. I figured somebody would, would get to it, but I think Alexis kind of covered it a little bit with, with her answer. So I put it down. Amen. Yeah, there is, there is something to be said about also, I didn't bring up this scripture, but, um, you know, it, it talks about the marriage bed being undefiled and, 
and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, if, 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 if you are married and, and, um, you know, you're having these problems, um, you know, the, the, the marriage bed is to be kept pure. You know, uh, I remember years ago, we were, we have, um, marriage seminars at the church every year. And then at the end of the seminar, we have like a Q and A and, and somebody asked if, um, if, uh, toys were allowed in, inside the marriage bed. And I, and I sat there like, well, I don't know. I never even thought about that. You know how God feels about it. And someone immediately answered no. And that was, that was his, um, that was his argument for it was um, the the marriage bed should be kept undefiled. It should be kept clean and holy uh, as a thing unto the Lord. And, and that sounds like a weird thing um, that, that what happens between me and my wife sexually that the Lord cares about at all. Uh, but he does because it can easily turn into something. It could easily turn into um, um, kinks and perversions and things like that, that aren't uh, good neither for me nor her nor our spiritual life you know so that's just something to keep an eye on what do you what do you have Alexis? sorry i have another question um so i what you're saying it's supposed to be kept clean so that takes away all those things including porn right because porn is not something that you're supposed to be watching as a married couple or married person at all is that correct yeah, uh, I think I brought it up in one of our sessions uh, a few months back. If I didn't, I talked about that last time I taught Sunday school. But um, so I was listening to a Jewish uh, guy teach about lust and all that kind of stuff. He said in the, in the Old Testament, there's there's nothing there's nothing wrong with lusting after another person. Like there's it's not it's it's not mentioned as a thing that is a sinful thing to do or whatever. And uh, and he was saying it as like this is one of my bigger hangups with Jesus. He said, I don't think it's good to do that. He said, but I don't see that that the Bible tells us that there's anything wrong to do that. And then Jesus comes along and says, Well, if you lust lust after something uh, somebody in your heart, it's as it's as if you've committed adultery, you know. And so, um, and to me, I, I I don't know how you can uh, you know in, in a previous life I watched porn hours a day every day. And um, and I did I didn't never feel uh, looking back like I was doing it out of anything other than lust, you know. So that's I would say it needs to be kept away just for that reason alone. Yeah. Uh, what do you got, Eric? Yeah, I, I would like to say that Jewish guy was was definitely wrong because it, it it talk about that heavy in the Old Testament um, as far as you know not not to be desiring another man's wife. Or in other words, and I think in some versions it used the term lusting after somebody's wife, et cetera. And as far as the whole pornography thing, um, Alexis, I, I like to say, well, what's the spirit behind pornography? You know, what's what's the purpose of it? You know, who's creating it? And and what is it uh, set apart for? You know, who are the people doing the pornography? Because at the end of the day, and, and as much as we are, you know, blessed beings, what is the spirit that's behind that whole ordeal? So I know, like, me and my household, and I get it, yeah, marriage bed is under file, but, uh, but as far as, like, pornography, man, it's all kind of dirtiness that comes with that. That, you know, that's just something that I 
cannot allow into my bedroom simply because it's the 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 door that's being opened up for for darkness to come in and then now i'm looking at somebody else's nakedness and and maybe desiring their nakedness or my wife might be looking at somebody else's nakedness desiring what they have not get it people might be like oh well i just want to learn something okay yeah i hear you but you know this is nothing that the holy spirit said hey you need not another man to teach you let the holy spirit be a teacher so again you know what, what's the purpose of porn now you don't need porn in my opinion let the holy ghost teach you um as far as what to do with your wife or with your husband amen i agree <laughs> you go, G. I totally agree with Eric. Yeah, I, I, I look at it and also say, what seed is it planting? Um, I even have to you know, tell myself that even when your conscience is trying to convince you that pornography is okay, you're, I'm not lusting, it says the heart is deceitful and wicked above all. Um, who knows? I believe it says who knows, um, I believe how treacherous or like the depths of how far your heart would take you into believing that it's okay. So if I take a step back and think to myself, what seed is watching this, this, this video or watching this lady do these things, is it truly planting a seed in my heart to push me into doing things that will honor Christ? Um, even when it comes to my photography, um, I have a really good friend, I call her my sister at this point, Matter of fact, it's Eric's wife. Um, when it comes to my photography, she's really big on, you know, checking me on certain things and asking, hey, what about this is okay? Asking you know, the iron sharpens iron type relationship. Like you have to take a step back and really ask yourself, is this really something that's going to be conducive to my life? Is it going to add to my life? Uh, ben was right on it, you know, watching it for hours at a time. It takes life away from you it takes the time away from you and you know for a fact that the if you can't sit there openly and watch this in front of somebody else and you have to hide it you're you know you're telling yourself this is wrong and it says in scripture if you're if you know to you that it's wrong and you still do it you're sinning so if you can't probably just walk around in front of your parents and, and, and talk about it or, you know, all these things. And it, honestly, that's what helping me stop even cursing is because I ain't going to talk this way in front of my parents. So if you really, if I, t I tell myself I can't do it in front of someone else, why is that? And challenge myself and evaluate myself. So Eric was spot on, on uh, leaving it out the bedroom and honestly leaving it out your life. Amen. I think that Eric made a really good point. I think the whole point of this whole thing is that, is that is lusting after after someone so if you're watching porn i don't know if anybody can just watch it or has a habit of watching it and not lusting and so that automatically makes it a no because you're lusting after someone uh i know people will say that they need it for their their own uh uh for their for their marriage whatever the case may be but you're bringing in something that, that that's going to become it's going to sprout into something completely different later uh, Fabian put says his thing about toys, etc. in the bedroom. Uh, what is that person thinking about at the time from that marriage seminar being mentioned? And, and Fabian, yeah, it's, it's, he brings up a good point. He's actually uh, exactly uh, what Eric said. Also, is is that is that I mean, you're thinking about you're you're lusting after someone at this point, and that automatically in scripture we can't do it. It's great points all the way around.
So then I would say, right, all these go hand in hand. Um, masturbation, porn, uh, that goes all hand in hand with lust. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Amen to that. Yep. What's up, G? So I want to challenge Ben's uh, studio, <laughs> boy, and Eric to this. Um, I had someone say that they can masturbate without thinking of another person. They're just doing it to pleasure themselves. What do you say to that? Um, I, I don't believe that um, for a second, but uh, if that were to be the case, which I don't, I don't think it could be, um, where I think it is, uh, maybe you don't need to be, I mean, you don't need to be pleasured in that way. You know, like why, why seek out a pleasure that was um, meant for the marriage bed in a different kind of way? Because if you do that, then everything that Paul just talked about in the previous uh, context, then it doesn't matter. Like, just do that then, you know, and then don't worry about getting married or, or being celibate in that way, you know. So, um, uh, just life has taught me that that seems to be bullcrap. What you got, Eric? Man, I'm I'm co-signing with being there, uh, but I I even step out on a limb and say, for to that person, all right. Well, why are you doing it? Is it because of lack of self-control? At the end of the day. It's still the same because they're lacking self-control. They're feeling like they can't, they can't not say no to themselves without sugarcoating it to having an orgasm. That's lack of self-control. And at the end of the day, it's still sex, even if it's with themselves. And if they're not having sex with their wife, it's fornication. Even if it's if somebody else do it for them, it's fornication. Whether it's with you whether somebody else is doing it and they're not your wife or your husband, it's fornication. And, and I think people are, and I'm not saying this is our group, but some people are just afraid to say, look, bro, that's fornication. If it ain't with your spouse, it's fornication. Why, why are you doing that? Like have some self-control because at the end of the day, one of the, the part of the fruit of the spirit, the core of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. I say also that um, in the Old Testament, uh, man, we going really crazy on this. So in the Old Testament, there was um, the, the Lord speaks about several different laws, and one of the things He brings up is nocturnal emissions. So actually, uh, you know, ejaculating in your sleep, so uh, wet dreams, what they call, I guess, uh, and even that's considered an unclean thing. And so uh, it's so, and that's something that you had no control over; it just happened. Even that's considered an, an unclean thing. So there's no way of skirting around this issue altogether. It's just something that we're told that we just need to, we, we don't, we have no part in. And if you are, you got to stop and you got to repent from it. And this is, uh, we're in Genesis right now, but in the, the, Corinth, the, the Corinthian church, they dealt with a lot of this kind of stuff. Yeah, I was, you know, Amen. I, I, I do usually like bringing up a lot of the background, but uh, I was doing some like background study about, you know, what was happening this time. And um, 
and we're going to bring up a scripture here in a minute uh, that Jesus talks about. And uh, it was talking about like divorce in this part of the world um, in the first century was like rampant. Like they just got divorced whenever they want to, you know, and, and, uh, it, and they said it, it wasn't uncommon for, for some men to be divorced five, 10 times, you know, and so, um, and Jesus talks about that a little bit, you know, and so it's just one of those things. If somebody said that to me, that just seems to me, uh, I, I've spent, I, I spent the first few years of my Christian walk trying to justify myself and, uh, I find myself doing it from time to time and, that's what that sounds like. Like, oh, I don't need to. I don't. I don't think about women. I just need. To like, eh, okay. Well, I know how real life works, and it doesn't work like that. You know. So, uh, go ahead. Hey, no, I think that's the part that uh, basically. I think to sum up everything, uh, all three of you said is seeking to justify the action. Going back to dece- deception. You know, your heart deceiving you into believing that what you're doing is okay i'm trying to basically walk around scripture and not step on it but like okay i I guess because the scripture doesn't say this i can do that so i think that's the best one i mean the best way to sum it up is trying to justify yourself is what i'm hearing honestly every last question that we deal with every probably 99 percent of them is because of that is because we want to justify ourselves. So we want to know what does the Bible say about whatever topic that we're going to cover is because I want to know if it's okay with, with what I do. Yeah. But yeah. What you got, Eric? Um, yeah, I was just going to say when I was not walking in it fully, that was my thing, which is justification. Well, I'm not having sex with a woman, you know, so it's okay for me to do it with me because the worst thing I can do is fornication. I know fornication is bad. So let me just not fornicate. Let me just do this so I can get a release so that I'm, and forgive the way that I'm wording this, but let me just be real. So that, um, so that I'm not going out and messing with somebody's daughter. And that was the deception and the compromise that I dealt with for years, even being saved, even having the Holy spirit speaking, whatever. It was a compromise on, well, hey, I'm not sick nobody else, so I can at least get a release here, which at the end of the day, God kept saying, nope, self-control, self-control, self-control. But justification through compromise, I, I know the church deals with a lot, and I'm very guilty of it. Thank God I'm delivered from it now. Hey, man, what you got, G? I just want to say, Eric, that was a beautiful way of putting it. I never really thought, sat, sat back and actually thought about it being sex with yourself. I'm, you know, reading the word, it doesn't say those words uh, directly, but when you put everything together, you're absolutely doing the same thing that your spouse, because if, I'm just trying to look at it also from the point of view of Paul saying basically uh, being celibate or more or less, that's just not being married. Um, I don't, I would, I don't know if a person who follows that, who says they can, you know, pleasure themselves and not call it sex, but it is. And now that I see it, it, you absolutely are having sex with yourself. So you should be married if I'm not mistaken. All right. Well, let's go to the next. Uh, so we, we've covered the sex portion of marriage. So now we're going to talk about marriage and divorce. So uh, going on in Corinthians, it says to the married, I give this charge. So, so Paul changes lanes here. 
He said, not I, but the Lord. So he, he said, he said that this isn't, uh, we're, we're turning back to the commandment, right? The wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband and the husband should not divorce his wife. Okay, so um, here very clearly it says, if there's a man and woman that are married and um, the wife separates from the man, then she is to remain unmarried, right? That's, and um, that sounds uh, wrong and uh, it mainly sounds wrong because all of us have family members or we're guilty of it ourselves of this exact thing. But the command, not from Paul, but from the Lord, is that if a wife separates from her husband, then she shall remain unmarried unless she comes back and is reconciled with her husband. Um, but it doesn't, um, it's probably for the best, I'll say that, but it doesn't give that same um, command to the husband. And the husband should not, it just says that he should not do this, that he should not divorce his wife. But if the wife divorces the husband, then she's to uh, remain unmarried or be reconciled back to her husband. But there's also an Old Testament law that I didn't bring up that said, if the wife um, leaves the husband and she is um, and she cleaves to someone else, she cannot be reconciled to her husband, right? So if, if my wife decides to divorce me and then she goes and she sleeps with someone else, I'm not supposed to be reconciled with her again, right? Um, Open it up for questions. Why? Why why can't you reconcile back? Um that's a whole different Bible study upon <laughs> itself. Um part of it is um God's trying to show us something in marriage on earth that relates to the way he's relating to people. And so um, it's uh, because we were, because we were our one, um, and then she goes and breaks that oneness and she becomes one with someone else. Um, she then can't be become one with me again, I guess it's the best way I can put it. Um, I know that probably doesn't answer your question, but um, it's just the way it was. So. Uh, but he can be with someone else, but she can't. Well, not necessarily, because it just straight up tells him he can't even he can't can't divorce. Period. Yeah, he can't do it at all. Yeah, don't don't get mad. <laughs> I'm trying to look. I have questions. I'm asking. When you have questions, you gotta know. So you ask. I don't mind questions at all. So uh I do I do youth ministry at one of the schools here in, in Midland. And um and this past week we were talking about um respecting and honoring our, our parents and that kind of thing. And um and there's a few kids that probably come from bad homes and it's like, no, I'm I'm not doing that. And I said, well, I said, here's here's the problem with the way we look at all scripture this way is that we're way more concerned what the rules are for other people 
and not so concerned with what we're actually responsible for. You know, and so I said, you know, if, if you have terrible parents, they 100% are going to answer for being terrible parents, right? But your commandment is to um, respect and obey your parents, right? No matter how terrible they are, right? Let God deal with them on that, you know? So to me, that that's the answer on this. Like, is it the fairest thing? I don't have any idea. I just know that that's what's supposed to happen, you know? So, and that's a terrible answer, I, I, I understand, but uh, it's, it's the only one I have, so. What you got, G? Yeah. You know, uh, before I say the question that I had, it was um, <laughs> one of Savoy's, I guess, you know, quotes that he says many times is that Christianity is such an inconvenience religion. <laughs> I, I just noticed that there's a lot of things that we as believers can't live the same lifestyle uh, as a unbeliever, earthly um, folks. And so it does suck in some areas. It is unfair. It is going to be feeling like, why do we have to do this or why we have to do that? But the question that I had was, so if a woman is divorced, like if he, if a man divorces a woman, is she to remain unmarried or go back to her husband? I just want to make sure I got that part clear. That seems to be the case, right? Even if she asks did she ask, can I marry somebody else? <laughs> like, um, it is, the, is something the, like that. The best I can tell from scripture is the only way uh, a woman bec can become married to someone else is if her husband is, her, her husband dies, because then she's broken from that bond of marriage. Um, that seems to be the only case that that's supposed to be allowed. So even if he commits adultery, and she divorces him on the grounds of adultery then she can't remarry after even on those grounds um it appears that she has the right to divorce because of those grounds and um it looks from what i can see that that's the only um exception given to it is on the case of sexual immorality um but it also looks like she shouldn't do, she shouldn't get married again. Yeah. So in Matthew five thirty two, we're actually told. In fact, I just read it, it says, "But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery." Now that's from the NIV. The ESV says, "But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of ground of sexual immorality," makes her commit adultery uh then also others the same same thing causes her to commit adultery causes her to commit adultery so uh yeah so if if a man divorces a woman and it's not because of sexual morality that man is causing her to commit adultery and and then like the first part of that verse if she gets married she's causing this other brand new person that has nothing to do with it she causes that person to be, commit adultery like they're they're now guilty of it, you know. And so, um, and you know, the crazy at the end of the day, uh, we you know we can feel any kind of way about this because it is it, it's, it's 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 harsh, right? We can feel we can feel a certain way about it, but being that these are commands from the Lord, being that you know this is in the Bible, it's a command from the Lord, we will have to answer to these things. Uh, and so we, you know, I I don't want to. Uh, 
downplay what it's saying, but I also want to be a realist and understand that this that this has happened to many, many people and that the Lord absolutely offers forgiveness. But these are things that according to, you know, what it says here in scripture, we, we have to answer these things. What you got, G? Um, Eric had his hands up. I'll let him go first. Well, okay, uh, <laughs> kind of caught me off guard. Well, to to piggyback off of not piggyback, but to draw some light on Alexa's question on the question of okay, well, why why can't you know the woman after she has let's say cheated on the husband and and then had sex with another man, why can't the man go back and reconcile with his wife? Well, in part. And this is from a scientific perspective. When women have sexual interactions with a man, she takes on the DNA of that man. And if you look at it from that standpoint, if she's taking on multiple men's DNA, and this is why I can see in the Bible makes so much sense where it says, well, two become one. Um, it's literally she's taking on the DNA of that man. Now, on the flip side, it doesn't say the man takes on the DNA of the woman because the woman is a receiver, the man is the giver. And, and if the woman is taking on multiple DNAs, I can see why the Bible's like, no, you don't want to be reconciled with her because you're going to be dealing with not only her, but whatever man she's dealt with as well and, and, and his spirit or, or his mentality and his way of thinking, et cetera. Like, it, it just makes too much sense with that. I think we so what if they do reconcile how does that work then well i would say well thank god for healing forgiveness and and renouncing the works of the flesh etc i do know that that can happen but i can see why in the scriptures god was like nope don't reconcile don't do that because they're going to take on something that you don't want but now if you're talking about the work of the holy spirit the Holy Spirit can make or God can make all things clean and all things new. But I think that has to be an agreement between the two, because I know a lot of people um, who and including myself and, and this is a previous marriage, not well, I hope not my wife now, but to where my ex-wife cheated on me and then we reconciled and, and God got in, you know, was blessing the, the covenant that we had because it was cleansed and we ended up having children after that. So I do know that God can make right of it, but I can see why in the Old Testament he said, don't do it. I'm just going to say uh, something really quick uh, uh, on top of that, what, what Eric just said. It's not just uh, the woman that, that takes on these things. Uh, in, in, in Scripture, 1 Corinthians 6, 18, it says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a man, a man can commit is outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. So however that works out, that 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 particular sin also gets into us too. the same way that it, that it that it can get into a woman is exact, exact same way it gets into us also. So uh, but I will say also that he also makes a great point. Eric makes a great point that God uh, can make and he does make great things out of these messes. That doesn't change the fact that we were not supposed to do it anyway but he can absolutely make great things out of them but with the 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 um the dangerous part part of that is 
looking at what God has done uh, to uh, with a with a marriage that was a mess at some point, and then thinking, well, then we can also go and mess up and do all this stuff because God will do the same for us, and that does not necessarily ring true. He doesn't have to do anything for the next person. What you got, G? Uh, two things. First, going back to when he gave the because it wasn't God or Jesus, of course, that gave the. Uh, the parameters more or less to when divorce could be, uh, I guess, pursued before those decrees or more or less regulations on how divorce, if it's adultery, uh, I believe it's abandonment or whatnot. Was marriage ever supposed, I mean, divorce, divorce wasn't supposed to be a thing, right? So, so I'll say something about that. It's, it, yeah, it wasn't supposed to be a thing, but you know, when we talk about divorce uh, and it's, I did a study on this once, you know, a decade and a half ago, um, and I don't remember all the portions of it. But when we when we think of marriage, we think of um, you know, especially as Christians, it's it, you know, there's a ceremony before God, and a thing happens, um, and uh, and for sure that that is the truth. But it's not obvious to me that um, if if I go sleep with another, say I'm a virgin and then I sleep with, I sleep with a woman and I don't get married, um, there seems to be something about, um, it looks like, biblically speaking, that's basically marriage, right? And I, I say that because in the, in the previous chapter of 1 Corinthians uh, 6, where before what Savoy was just reading, it says, uh, do you not know that your uh, this is six fifteen? Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body for with her? For as it is written, the two shall become one flesh. So Paul is saying here, like, like you know, he this guy that in this example did not marry this prostitute, but. Um, he he laid down with her and now they're one right and so in the exact same way as we think a marriage ceremony happens it appears that this this also happens and so um so quite possibly the mere act of sleeping with another human being makes you married possibly you know um and so I'm sorry to jump in there. Not necessarily that it makes you married, but it, you did join with that person. You, your, your flesh did join together. Uh, because uh, that's what happened with one of David's or a couple of his children. One ended up raping the other. Uh, the, the, one, the brother ended up raping the sister. And, uh, and, and she said, at the very least, uh, marry me so that I won't be a disgrace in front of the people. Yeah. Uh, so, so there was a difference there, but it is absolutely true that there is something ha something that happens when we fornicate with just with, with just anyone. We are there. There is a for real bonding that is happening that we can't fully understand. Yeah, and I think it would do, do do us good to try our best to understand that and to remind ourselves that on on a daily or sometimes multiple day basis that. Uh, me and my wife are one. And if, um, I, again, I, I, I teach youth a lot in uh, one of the youth classes, um, you know, a lot of the kids come from, you know, broken homes and, 
as you know, it's it's almost more difficult to find an unbroken home at this point in life than it is to find one that's not um, pieced together. I guess I'll say. And um, I, I was asking them about divorce and and what they think it solves. And not one. This class had like forty kids in it, and not one of them said that they would have preferred divorce. You know. And so we we think that this uh, you know our parents fighting and all that kind of stuff. Like it's better that the kids don't see us do that. Um, well, you, the kids don't believe that. The kids believe that um, it would have been better if y'all just fought every day and been unhappy for their sake, you know. And um, I, and I would tend to agree with that, you know. Like um, it is like if if you have become one, th- think about it. What it would take to um, make one person into two people, right? Um, that's what happens. Right. Like if if, you, if you're willing to solve someone in half that like if, if we thought about the the one becoming two again, like. That's literally what happens, like you're you're killing everything, you're you're destroying what God has set forth, you know, and he sets it forth even with people that sleep with prostitutes. He said, this is what happens. Just like someone said, we don't understand what's happening, but he's he set a, th- a certain thing in motion and said this is what happens and i think it, we would do good to believe him uh the second part was uh we did have a question come in for eric in the chat uh it said so let's say someone got married and divorced three times are they allowed to marry again those three times in the church or no because technically she's not even supposed to get uh get remarried um you know i think uh i think we allow a bunch of stuff in churches that shouldn't be done and and i just want to say you know just so everybody knows like um all this wife separating from husband and all that kind of stuff that i'm i'm not beyond that like i you know i i actually broke up my wife's previous marriage and then we got married and then things happened you know so i you know i'm not talking about this from a place of um from ultimate holiness or whatever you know but um you know part of me think like somebody said it earlier that you know god um god it, it almost seems like god is forced to make good out of the bad things that we do because then there would just only be bad things you know and so maybe it ought to be permissible in the church um but the longer i live i just feel like maybe we shouldn't concede to this stuff so much yes sir i'm in agreement with you and and i'm gonna dare to step out on the limb and say that's not god's best i don't think that's god's best for us for that to happen for you know married divorce married divorce married divorce and then get married again and be allowed to marry again now i get it it's a by case situation what what if you know, somebody was beating on them. Okay, I, I understand that. You know, I, I'll never tell a woman or a man to stay in an abusive relationship. Um, and and then at the end of the day, that's the reason why we have to be led by the Holy Spirit as well, because we can throw all these laws out here. And, and the scripture does say, yeah, the letter does kill it, but the Spirit gives life. So at the end of the day, be led by the Spirit, be truly led by the Spirit, and with an unselfish motive 
and and having self-control and let God be the one who is leading guiding you in these situations. But I will say that somebody's divorced three times, they're probably the issue. And that's just no other way to sugarcoat that. Yeah. And, but I will say, and, and Fabian said, a fourth marriage has less than a 5% chance of making it long term. And uh, yeah, there's all kinds of statistics about that. Um, the, the problem, the, where, where I would pause on this is, uh, and then I hear you, Deja, um, is that um, I, I don't know if there's a limit to the amount of times two people can become one. You know, and so um, if this fifth marriage, you know, like they're likely sleeping together at that point. And so now they are one. And so maybe it's permissible for the church to do such a thing um, because they are one if if it's uh, if they're Christians and, you know, maybe with some stipulations or something like that. So that's why that's why I pause and say, no, it should never be done because, you know, I, I see marriage, you know, second marriages inside the church all the time, you know. And so um, it goes back to what we we're saying, like uh, there's a thing that's preferred by God. And a thing that we we actually end up doing, and that he has to come in and fix at some point. So, uh, what were you gonna say, Deja? Hey, y'all! I have no idea. I hope everyone's having a good night. We're how far along we are uh, in the conversation because I just hopped on and, and kind of joined in, and I was hearing y'all talk about if somebody's married, you know, four or five times, they're kind of a problem, and then being married, you know, there's a limit on how many times we get married. And I wanted to share this and you know hear y'all responses personally. Um, I think that this kind of is. It, I don't want to be rude. Like it's right there. I don't think it would matter if somebody was married three times. At least when we're judging, because we're not God, right? So if somebody was married twice, or if somebody was married seven times, because people do get married and divorced, especially in different industries and things like that because they don't look at marriage the way we do over and over and over and over. You know, if somebody's married five times, somebody's married three times, four times, I think we shouldn't say, well, if it was seven, so this is worse, or this was five, this is worse, because the word says you shouldn't separate from what we're from the verse that's on the screen right now, that you shouldn't separate from your husband or remain unmarried or be reconciled. So it's like, it doesn't matter if it was two, three, four, five. I don't think we should judge more on that, because the reality is a lot of us, not me, I've never been married, but a lot of people in general have at least been married twice. And it's like, it's almost like comparing sin. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's almost like saying, well, I feel like yours is just way worse. You know, and, and this is, uh, if if I was looking at the title, I think this is covering marriage and, and a lot of being unequally yoked, things like that. You know, that's like saying, well, I feel like somebody who may have given themselves away to somebody, you know, intimately 50 times is worse than somebody that did it twice. But wrong is wrong and right is right. You know, so who are we to say this is worse? or this is better. I think we should all just try to do exactly what the word tells us to do and pray for those who aren't. That's all I had to say. Amen. What you got, G? You know, everything. Uh, hand clap for that. But I, I, I goes right back to the statement I said earlier. This is what separates us. I feel like we, you know, I'm not saying this us, but a lot of people concentrate on, I guess I want to consider it the negative side of marriage, divorce. You know, what's the parameters or wherever the case may be, how many times can I be married, but never focus on the front side of the situation. And, and that is 
did you take the prop the proper steps when you selected your spouse? Like why why are we so consumed or more or less so concerned on like you know when it does go bad? How do I get remarried? It's did you do what you were supposed to do from the very beginning? There's a diff we are called to live different, and I think that's a sacrifice that we have to you know continue to bring light to things are not going to be the same for us as it is for other people. And this is the weight that we have to bear. So, um, amen to everything that Deja said. If this is what our father has told and commanded us, not just asked us to do it's, this is what I'm telling you now go follow it. It's exactly that. It's, you know, one of the things I used to say is put up or shut up. It's if you say, this is who you are, this is the playbook that you have to live by day by day. And it's not going to always feel good. There's a lot of sacrifice involved in all of this. And so I think that we need to continue to, you know, focus on that more than, um, like I said, figuring out how to get out of divorce. Can I be remarried? It's, are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to actually die to yourself and work out your marriage? Are you actually willing to do that part? Because that's the part that God is asking us to do is to go back to your spouse, reconcile more than just, how do I figure out, do I wait until this person dies and you know, things of that nature? That actually works, by the way. But uh, what you got, Deja? Okay, y'all. I know I just said something earlier. Just throw hand down. I know I just said something, but as he was talking, it made me think of something else. Like I said, I don't know how far along we are, you know, what all we've already discussed. But I think something else, too, is like, like he was saying, like, how long can we wait and how do I make this work? I feel like we know that we're the bride of Christ. So our first marriage has to be to God. And I just feel like in in right now in, in culture, Christians too, it, just in general, people are so, I want to get married, I want to get married, I want to get married. And I feel like all those things, like you said, you seek first the kingdom, everything else is added unto you. So I feel like that includes marriage. I feel like if you are more focused about your relationship with God, your relationship with God, not not your partner's relationship with God, not making other people do what you want, but your relationship with God, your marriage, or or if you went through a divorce, whatever the case is, will be reconciled or corrected in the process. I feel like that's something that as Christians and just people in general, we kind of skip. It's like we want God to be in this category of our lives, but my relationship has to be in this category. But I feel like the reality is, if God is in your marriage, if God is in your divorce, if God is in your separation, if God is, even if you already got divorced and you said, well, this is the time I want to fix my relationship with God seriously. And you're working on your marriage to him because it's not just a relationship with God. It's a marriage. It's it's supposed to be a real commitment with him. I feel like he leads you personally. I feel like he leads you and guides you on all of those things. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Amen. Right, uh, Fabian, I'm going to say something really quick. Fabian says, uh, I disagree with some things. I wouldn't necessarily call it judging or comparing. It's more to me than an individual that uh, individual has this idea of marriage. But like G said, it's worked with a lot of overtime. <laughs> that, is, that is right. Uh, Kathy. Yes, sir. Um, yes, I um a comment when you got uh, married and then for a little thing that happened in your relationship whatever you just want to give up in your marriage and get a divorce 
and then in the next in the next we make a little excuses to not work in our marriage and just give up you know and i think the first thing that we have to do is uh, put our, our marriage everything through the lord Amen. I agree. And we, we can go ahead and go to the next slide, uh, so we're the Matthew slide. But um, I'll also say this too, um, that uh, one man said that some games you don't get to play unless you're all in, and marriage is one of those games. And, you know, so we were talking about sexual immorality in a marriage and that being the only uh, escape from a marriage or the, the only biblical escape from uh excuse escape i guess i'll say um but that also doesn't mean that that's what has to happen you know and so like in my marriage and, and this is something kind of uh not difficult to say but you ought to be careful in the way that you, that you say such things is that um i truly believe that uh my wife is going to be mine to the end no matter what and i like sitting here you know, you can say that's easy to say, but I really feel that way. You know, like if 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 my wife walked into the room right now and said, "Hey, um, today I slept with three different dudes," um, I've I've made the resolve that I don't care about any of that. Um, I would rather be unhappy for the rest of my life for the sake of Jesus um, than to do this wrong again. You know, because I because I already explained like. Technically, I've already committed adultery and everything um, in the, in this process, you know. Um, and out of all the things, all the bad things I've done in my life, um, that is probably the thing that I look least forward to at the judgment. Is like how all that went about, you know. And so, um, so I've just resolved that, like, no matter what, um, like one of us got to die. Like, like that's the answer. You know, you know, we're going to be married until one of us die. So that's just the way I believe it. And I think if mo more people went into it thinking that way, like, listen, no matter what, one of us got to die for this thing to be broken up, then uh, then we'd be better. Divorces would go down and deaths would go up. Well, you got, know, G? that is what it is, you know. G, you mute it. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, just really quick. I'm, I don't know what made me really just realize it, but just going to scripture and understanding that in the word, it says that there are going to be people who fall away. And I've, I tend to think about that when we come across these hard things that we have to accept, because this might be something that may cause someone to fall away because they're like, hey, this ain't for me. I got to do all that just to show him this, that, and the third. And it's like, yeah, you got to. It's no, it's no excuses. No, uh, hey, God, can you make an exception for me? These are the things I believe that's what makes this walk so hard because we can't do what they do. I said that many times today. So this, that was just basically my little two cents. Yeah. But let's read this other scripture. Oh, Deja, go ahead. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm going to wait. I want, I want to listen first. Sorry. Okay, so um, Matthew 19 says, And the Pharisees came up to him, uh, be, him being Jesus, and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? 
So you remember I, I told y'all earlier that it, it seemed like this was a problem, like people were just getting divorced in this time, apparently, according to historians. Um, he answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh because they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Um, and that goes back to that, that prostitution uh, verse that I brought up earlier also. Um, let not man separate. They said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And he said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another, commits adultery. So uh, that goes back to one of Alexa's questions about the uh, possibly how it's unfair to women and not men. But it says whoever does this commits adultery in this way. So what do you got, Deja? Okay, so when you were reading that just now, and I was thinking this, but I wanted to wait and really try to fathom it in my mind. I know that the word says that he who findeth the wife findeth a good thing, right? And in this verse, it says, therefore, where to go? A man shall leave his wife. Hold on. Okay. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And and when I think of both of those sentences, I think of the fact that possibly, and this is just a personal belief, everybody might not have a spouse, right? And I think this kind of goes back to what I was trying to say a second ago, in the sense that it says what God joined together, not what you joined together, not what you might have thought was best. I think a lot of times, like, when we're looking at, because like I said, I've never been married, y'all. <laughs> when we're looking at people getting divorced, uh, like Miss Kathy was saying, maybe something happens and, oh, this isn't working out, or, you know, I don't, I don't want to be with this person anymore. I, I always look at it in a couple different ways because I was having this conversation with Savoy. Sometimes I feel like people get married and God didn't tell them to get married. You know, like, for instance, I'll, I'll be transparent with you, like I always am. There's somebody I've been with for five years and this person has shown interest. And now that we're getting a little bit older, I want to marry you. I want to move on. I want to move to the next step. And God has shown me that's not the answer, right? It's very hard to listen to. But if he says not the answer and I married this person anyway, did God join us together? No, that would be me just trying to do what I want to do. So then I want to know with that being in mind, in situations like that, where you have married somebody and it's not, because this says what God joined together, not what man joined, that's really standing out to me. It's making me wonder in situations where you have gone outside of the will of God, are there scriptures on that? Are there scriptures on when people, because we do it all the time as people, we, we make all types of decisions that are not in God's will, whether we mean to or not. And I'm wondering something as big as marriage, and I think sometimes that is a cause for divorce, is that a lot of times y'all are never supposed to be together in the first place. Is there scripture on that or is it only sexual immorality like we're seeing in this verse right here? So uh, I'll push back on what you're saying based on uh, we were looking at first corinthians uh chapter six towards the end of the chapter like 18 or something like that and so um it appears you know because it, it said that you know if a person sleeps the, uh with a prostitute uh then they have become one and so uh so what does that mean to me it appeared and so did call out that you know rightfully that um becoming one and becoming married are probably two different things but 
um, and, and I don't know your situation, please don't take any offense to this, um, but if if you're sleeping with the person that you've been with, you are one. That's what the scripture said. So uh, like, and, and we can feel however we want what God has joined together, like the two have become one. He has joined those people together. Like so, we we it, so it's not a it's not a ceremony in a church or anything like that. It appears Scripture says, when you sleep with somebody, you are now one with that person, and so and God has done that because that's not something we did. Y'all, we went through the act of it, but He said, but the the Scriptures that He's given us said, when this happens, these two people become one. So they they He has joined them together in that sort of way, you know. So there's not there. In, at least in I'll be free, free to hear from y'all at least in my uh, estimation um, that ought not be separated that's the reason why in the Old Testament when it says you know if somebody comes up and they they uh, a person gets raped they're, they're supposed to get married right because they're one same thing the the scriptures uh, story brought about David you know like those people have become one you know without the ceremony and stuff like it's a thing that God has done. Does that make sense? Okay, can I ask you this as, as a response? No, to answer your question, no, we haven't been in our for a while, right? Mm-hmm. A, a year, to, to, to be transparent. Yeah. It's not that we never have though, but if the Lord has shown me, and this is, this is just me being transparent, being completely transparent, in scripture, in my personal time with him, this is for sure not the man that I have called you to marry or spend the rest of your life with. Are you saying, because I don't want to be misunderstanding, are you saying that since we've done it before, we just need to go ahead and get married and that's how you interpret it? Because I know I'm not going to do that. I'm asking, is that what you're saying? Because I know that he's told me that's not the case. So then I wonder, uh, is that what you're saying? Is that like what you're tr- trying to say? Um, I'm saying that First Corinthians 6, and let me pull it up so I can read it exactly for y'all again, says... And Sorry, I know I came in late. Yeah, you're too. fine. Um, verse 16, it says, Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? There has, there has not been a, a ceremony in this situation. Uh, this person joined themselves to a prostitute, um, and now they are, now he is one with her. For it is written, the two will become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one with spirit of him. So the, this scripture, at least to me, plainly says if if a person sleeps with a prostitute, they are they are no longer two, they are one. That's what that scripture says. Amen. I want to throw this out there really quick. There's one other time, only one other time that I can think of in the Bible or one other time period where uh, God, the command was to divorce and it was the people that had yoked themselves to some, uh, to, to, to surround the people and they were causing them to a minute. If you let me. Oh, okay. My bad. Go ahead. No, that's fine. We're like, when we get there, I'm actually going to talk about that story. So is that, is that one of the scriptures you gave me to put up here? No, but I have it in my notes here because uh, I, I wasn't sure. You got that in your notes, man. Come on now. I wasn't. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't share my notes. I showed the, shared the scriptures, but I'm just messing with you. No, it's fine. So, um, so yeah, so that's what it says, you know. So, um, I, you know, I don't like it any more than 
uh, you know, there's all kinds of scriptures that talk about me that I could, I don't, I don't like, uh, you know, I, I say for years, I didn't, I didn't used to tithe or, you know, or, you know, give offerings if we want to say it like that, since we've debunked that in the past. But, um, and so when I taught Sunday school, I just didn't teach about giving. <laughs> like, just, I'm like, I'm guilty of that. So I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna touch that with 10 foot pole, but, um, that doesn't mean that I wasn't wrong in the way I lived, you know? So, um, I don't know who's next. I don't know whose hand we still have up. So, uh, let me see. It shows it here. What does it say? G is next. <sighs> okay. You think you hear me now? Yeah. Um, well, first, Deja, thank you for being honest. And this is recorded, so if he watches this, that's on him. Um, my biggest thing is, what if, because I can't even speak for myself, what if you had sex with more than just one person? Like, what, what if you're, like, you know, before you come to understanding um, of of Scripture and you've already slept with, you know, let's say five people, ten people, what what then what if then now you're like okay now i want to be married are you still joined with those other two people other 10 five people or can you renounce that and you know repent of that um that was the first question and so, the second one oh, go ahead. question first when you go so yeah i i believe wholeheartedly you can renounce it and repent of it and um all those things that come with that happen um but you know it's good I, I don't know the ins and outs of it. I don't know if if the five are now one. I, you know, I don't know how how that works. All I know is the scriptures I've given you today. You know, um, and 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 again, um, to to be careful about. And and this is such a difficult subject because um, I would I would guess like almost everybody in this chat, if not everybody in this chat, is. Um, is guilty of one or multiple of these instances, you know, and so, uh, and we, and, and the people we love are, you know, our moms are, are guilty of this, these type of things, you know, and so it's a hard thing to talk about, but, um, but right is still right. You know, so go ahead. Okay. Um, another thing is, oh, just until, oh, it says in a word, letting man not separate what God has joined together. Even if a person doesn't want to accept what the word says, they still will be held accountable to it on judgment day. God created marriage. So if I'm not mistaken, let's say man and woman get together, they're not saved. It's God still joining them together in a marriage way because he, you know, he's the one who created marriage so that even that even though they got married without God being on their mind, are they still? Are they still considered married before God? Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll take this. Yeah, uh, the one thing I, I would say I'll pull from scripture is that there was a time when one of the uh, leaders of I want to ah, I can't remember exactly what country they were in. It's kind of close to Egypt, I want to say. But uh, Abraham was on his way, traveling through the place, and he had a beautiful wife that was nine years old. She was still a dime. And he said, hey, this is how you can show your love to me. Tell everyone that you're my sister. And so she was doing that. And and so the king there took took her as, as, as his wife. He took her. to He's going to marry her. And uh, and and then God said to him in the dream, he said, uh, he said, you're as good as dead because the woman that you have taken is married to a prophet. And so uh, 
And he said, I did this with clean hands. I did not know. Did he, did he not say that that was his sister? And so the thing that I want to bring up is, is that when he went to accuse him, he said, what is this thing that you have done to us? One of the men might have well slept with her and you would have brought guilt on us. This was a pagan person. He was pagan. And even the pagan people were concerned about this, situ about marriage and the, and the sanctity of marriage. Amen. Uh, we'll we go got, uh, I think Deja yeah. is next. Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I was really trying to listen to everything you were saying. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm keeping it personal now because I'm really wanting to to be able to apply what the Lord shows us to our lives. That's the whole point of this, right? So that's why I am so transparent is because I want to be able to. I, I'm listening for a reason, you know. Now, Fabian asked in the chat, he said, I'm somewhat confused. Maybe it's me being almost 50 years old. If you're dating someone, isn't the goal to eventually get married? To answer, yes, that was the goal. That, that, is, that was the goal. Recently, in prayer, and I have been praying this. It was not like I just started asking God this. It's just what God chose to reveal to me, that the answer was no. Now, um, I think it was G. He asked, well, when you renounce, if you repent, does that not... Um, basically free you from that. I'm, I'm and y'all of course respond, correct me, please. That's what this is for. Based on this scripture, it says what God is doing together, let no man separate. And Savoy brought up a um an instance you said you're gonna get to it where the Lord had certain people divorced. I know just like I know that my name is Deja the Sonny Bryant that the Lord has told me this is not my husband, right? And that's okay. It it's it is what it is. But with that being said, keeping in mind what, what you and I were just discussing, um, Ben, about, you know, if you have been intimate with this person, are you one? That is biblical. I absolutely believe that. I also believe because the word says, let man not separate what God has joined, that if God separates somebody, they are separated. Which is why I think when you come to Christ, when you come to the knowledge of Christ, when you repent of your sins, just like sin. When when the Lord cleans you, you are clean. That is my belief. It doesn't mean he's not going to judge you and you're not going to have to give an account for everything. I don't I, we we haven't stood before him yet. But I, I really do believe that if God separates somebody, as apparently it does happen in Scripture, they are are separated. Now, if if I'm wrong in my interpretation of that, y'all feel free to correct me. But I know that it sounds like G kind of had the same thought process I have. Well, there are people who who maybe have five or 10 or 15 or 20, however many partners. Right. You commit one, you commit one thing, you commit them all. Right. So at some point they come to the knowledge of Christ. I want to give my life to Christ. I'm cleansed by the blood of Christ. I'm washed clean in my head. Only God. First of all, that's how I interpret that is that only God can do that. Right. No, you can go to the, to a divorce court. But if God didn't, if God didn't say so, it ain't so. That's how I, I interpret that. Am I wrong interpreting that way? That's what I want to know is the first thing, because like I said, like I know my name and the color of my skin and the color of my hair and the color of my eyes, I know he said no. So keeping that in mind, what you said, it does make me wonder, am I misinterpreting that? Can somebody lead me in the right direction? If so, because um, I do want to know, you know, I want to know what what the Lord says about it. Uh, I would say, let, let me get to the to that scripture and then we'll talk about what happened in it okay i guess that's the best way i can answer it so here you there 
Hey, my bad. So I have my wife here with me. She's listening. Um, and and she actually wanted to comment on on something. So I just want to introduce her. Y'all are not really speaking about it anymore. Um, but I was just commenting on 1 Corinthians 6, 15, 16, 17, 18. It really is all talking about fleeing from sexual immorality. Mm -hmm. So um, as far as the two being one, like G was saying, um, if you're fornicating, I mean, I know you said it's not the act that God kind of ordained, but it's just the process of being with somebody that makes you one. But if this is the result of sin, then... Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's what the the scripture was saying. I think the scripture was more so emphasizing to flee from sexual immorality, to to emphasize that if you are one with the harlot, you know, like if you're with the harlot, you're one with the harlot. So don't do it. Yeah, it, my only pushback about that is that that scripture is quoting another scripture, and you know, we think that two becoming one flesh is under holy matrimony and all that kind of stuff. And that Corinthians six is saying, um, no, it's more than what you think it is. To me, at least that's, that's the way I'm reading it. So that it's, it's not just the holy matrimony. It's, it's something else is happening, you know? And, uh, and again, you know, like, and, and they, it very specifically brings up that one scripture to point that, that idea out, you know, and so, um, so I, I just can't in good conscience say that that's not what's happening. And I think they, for sure, they used a, um, a very extreme case of someone lying with a prostitute. But I think he did that on purpose as well. So that way, everyone knows, just like Savoy was saying, everyone knows that um, whether you're saved or whether you're pagan, no one thinks that lying with a prostitute is a, is some sort of holy act right it can't it, no one misconstrues what's happening there right it's, it's it's a sexual act for a sexual purpose and yet he says at that point the two have become one you know so uh i mean so i just can't in good conscience say that it, that means something else you know <clears throat> I just thought about something. So uh, earlier when G was talking, um, he said, well, what about the person that's been with five people, 10 people, you know, are they are, you know, how, how does that work? You know? And I just realized God did use the example of a prostitute. A prostitute is somebody that is intimate with more than one person. So it's not like you're just laying with one person. You're, I don't want I don't know what the word is. Basically, he already used that example. I, I think, yes, like you said, it's, it's probably so that we understand that it's under the essence of an act that's, that's not holy, that nobody can misconstrue. But it's also, I think, already answering that question. That's what makes, a, no offense, what makes a prostitute a prostitute is that they're intimate with people. So I would think that even if it's been five people, even if it's been 10 people, that would still apply because that's the example that he used in scripture. It's literally what a prostitute is. So I don't know. I just, I just like I had like a aha moment when you were saying it just now. I agree. That's a good point. And um, and what else was I going to say about that? Um, yeah, I'll just say that. You know, that's that's a good point. And that, and I think that's part of the reason why he brought up this very extreme point. So that way, it's like of all the worst things that could happen, 
here's what's happening to y'all. So. Hey man, what you got, G? You know, because I'm I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, of course, I remember there was a time that I felt I felt led to renounce um, everyone that I was sexually involved with prior to my marriage, because I came across a study and I listened to a sermon that talked about the ceremony, the wedding back in biblical days, it was to celebrate, you know, these, this virgin, uh, wife They're you know, now they're about to be joined one, like that had to, you know, take place. The sexual part of the, this, uh, this, now the marriage, this part had to take place. And then it was a, you know, celebration more or less. And I realized like, man, am I married? I use it to myself. I was saying, are you married to everyone that you were involved with prior to your wife? So I, I felt led to renounce that. And I was trying to remember everybody's name. I had to be very intentional because that's what I felt like I was led to do. Cause I was married to my wife, but because I, you know, went, you know, went through the ceremony, uh, before, uh, the judge and all that good stuff. So I'm like, let me take the time to actually acknowledge this was sin. And this isn't sin that I'm married to my wife. And I'm no longer willing to accept the fact that I am, you know, joined to all these other people, these other, because it is soul ties that's still going to be connected. So I'm like, at least the, the most that I can do, or the least I can do is, um, you know, denounce that and be like, yo, that's not, what I'm about. That was when I was, you know, part of the sinful, the sinful life. And now that I am born again in Christ and he is my Lord and savior. And now I'm basically living the life that I'm supposed to be living the right way. Let me just, you know, let me, like I said, release that, and, you know, and uh, declare that dead. And, Amen. And let me say something real quick and I'll let y'all too. Um, you know, one of the, the toughest things to wrap my mind around is, um, you know, I'm I'm deacon at the church. I'm employed by the church. I'm a Christian. All three of my kids are Christian. My wife's Christian. Uh, you know, all these things are happening. Uh, but me marrying my wife um, was against all these laws that we're going over here. And so I say that because um, though God has made good things about it, uh, I'm going to speak presumptuously on this. Um, he would prefer that it not happen at all, right? So his preference would have been both of us trying our best to live a holy life and us never being together. That would have been the preference. But because we're we're both um, deep in iniquity, I guess I'll say, we did something else. And because we did something else, now he has to do an extra thing that um, he didn't necessarily want to do. And that that's a that's a tough that's a tough teaching, but I really do believe that because the the design of what he put forth is for everyone to be holy and to be perfect before their God. And the act of me and her getting married was not holy or perfect, though it happened in the church. Um, but he's turned he's turned that thing around. So um, I just want to say that. So I'll hear y'all. Amen. Uh, that's actually, I'm glad that you share that, man, because, uh, I think it's important for people to see that he, that God can work out anything for the good. He can absolutely do that. 
I want to go back to what uh, G was saying about about soul ties. We call them soul ties, but the truth is, this is about your flesh. So it's in your flesh. Whenever we sin in this way, it's attached to our flesh and it's there for however long, probably until we die. But that's where it's at. It's not necessarily that it's on your soul. Your soul is your soul. Uh, it's, it's actually that it's, a, it's, it's attached to your flesh in, and, in every way that I see that it says in, in scripture anyway. No, and I agree. And then we'll hear Deja. I agree wholeheartedly. That's why uh, I think it was Jesus that said um, th there will be no marriage in heaven. That that's so it's there's there's not a soulmate. There's there's somebody that you're tying your flesh to on this earth, and then on the other side, your flesh will not be tied to them in that way, right? You'll you'll be like the angels in heaven. We won't be married. Like so, when me and my wife die, we will not. It appears that by scripture, we will not be married anymore because it's it's a flesh thing that's happening that doesn't have to happen anymore. Amen. What you got, Deja? A couple of things. I'm so glad he said what he just said, because I was just about to say um, the biggest thing, though, uh, of everything that we are discussing is that this is not a permanent condition. It's not even when we look at the, the creation of marriage, right, because Jesus does reference. It was not so. It wasn't like this in the beginning. Very first couple of scriptures, Adam and Eve, he says, I'm going to find a helper suitable for man. It is not good that man should be alone. But when we are not flesh when we are not man when we are not woman and we are in heaven it doesn't matter because our husband our our i mean our husband i wish there was not another word for it we are the bride to jesus so this is not a permanent condition regardless this is what i was trying to talk about earlier is that i feel like we put a lot of stress on marriage when i it's literally to it's supposed to glorify god and it's supposed to help make this temporary condition easier, right? It's what a helper does, right? But I just, I wanted to say that first, but then I also wanted to ask um, a, a, a question because I had, I'm in agreement with you, uh, G, in the sense that, I, I, as I've already said, I'm, I'm not being intimate, I'm not fornicating, I'm not doing those things. And when I came to that decision a year ago, it was through renouncing, repenting, and realizing um, on my own that this is not how God wants me to live. I don't care what the intent is, even if the intent is to eventually get married, because at the time it was, this is not what he would be pleased with me doing. And I do wholeheartedly believe, in fact, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I believe when I got done doing that, I was in the, I was in the presence of God and I got in my word. And the first thing I opened my word to is who the sun sets free is free indeed. And it was like, he was confirming to me that he had truthfully stripped. And that maybe not because I renounced it or maybe I, I, I don't know why, I think it's that God sees our hearts. And when you open the door and let him do what he needs to do, I, he does it according to his will. So I can't say it's that we renounce or it's that we repent or it's that we feel bad. I, I can't say what it is exactly. Um, but I knew even in that moment that he was allowing me to know you have a fresh slate, you have a clean slate. That's what the blood of Jesus does it, with all sin, with sexual morality and, and any sin. If, if we didn't believe so, we wouldn't believe in Jesus. So I, I'm in agreement with you on that. Now, my question is, um, it says in verse 9, Matthew 13, I mean, Matthew 19, 9, and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another, commits adultery, right? I'm, if we're going to talk about it, we're going to really talk about it, because I have a question that I don't, I don't think anybody has touched on it since I've been on the call, at least, and that is pornography. I view that as sexual immorality. The Bible talks about if you look at a woman with lust, you have committed adultery in your heart, right? So I'm wondering... Um, 
like, and I'll use myself, for example, right? Like you were saying, um, Ben, you were saying, if you've been intimate with this person, according to this scripture, right, in First Corinthians, you would be seen as one. I don't disagree because, like I said, I also had to renounce, repent, and things like that. So I don't necessarily disagree. But it also says if you divorce somebody except for sexual immorality and marry somebody else, you, unless, excuse me, and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. In those cases, because I haven't heard anybody touch on it, but it is, it is also something that's just running rampant in society now. Uh, men and women, I'm wondering, do y'all think, would y'all think that you would need to be spiritually divorcing all of those people as well and all of those people that those people have been intimate and so on and so forth in the sense that you would be coming into one or do you not think that, you know, either however y'all feel would be coming into oneness is that watching those type of things or if your partner's watching those type of things, would that be ground for divorce? Things like that, because that is also sexual immorality. And I, I don't, in my opinion, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop it there. In my opinion, I want to know what y'all's thoughts are on that. Yeah, we did talk about uh, porn a little bit. Um, so what verse nine is saying? Uh, whoever divorces a wife, except for for this. So it, it appears to me that the the only um, permissible out for a marriage is sexual immorality. And so I wouldn't argue that if if you know a husband or a wife is is watching porn, that's part of sexual immorality, and they have an out. But to be certain, and it, when we get to this very next scripture, we're going to talk about it a little bit, that um, it's not it's not a it's not a commandment, right? It's not if if this person commits sexual immorality, then you ought to get divorced. It's saying that if you're divorcing because of this, then then this other thing, if you don't if you do it other than sexual immorality, then you commit adultery. So uh, but by no means does it say if your spouse is committing sexual immorality that you ought to divorce them. Um, that's that's not what it says. It's just it's just the uh, permissible out, I guess. Right. That makes sense. Uh, yes. Okay. So let's go to the next scripture. I don't even know where we're at at this point. First Corinthians uh, 7.12 says, to the rest I say, so here he switches it up again, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her, okay? And this is going to go to that scripture that I'm going to bring up here, here in a minute and why it's saying I, not the Lord. Um, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her, okay? so. If, so part of this lesson was unequally yoked stuff, um, and we're going to talk about the difference between Jews and, and Gentiles here in a second uh, when I bring up the scripture. But if if the unbeliever wants to live with the believer, um, they don't have an out for um, divorce, right? If they want to live together, then the command is to live together, right, to not divorce. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him, right? So if if the unbeliever wants to live with the believer, they have to stay married, according to the commandment. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. I have no idea what that means. Um, other than just saying what it is, you know, like I don't, you know. There's a there's a personal salvation issue, 
uh, that comes up, you know, when I'm looking at that. Um, but the Lord does something that um, that the holiness that the believing spouse has feeds over into the. Um, let, let, let me finish my thought on this, so when we can talk at the end. Um, so, so maybe it's not maybe it's not um, salvation, or, or I'll even say possibly, quite possibly, it's not salvation. But something good is happening because of the um, the belief of the 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 saved spouse. I guess I'll say it like that. And I'll, I'll, let me finish this. Um, otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. So if the unbelieving partner doesn't want to live the person, then we're not to fight with that. But if the unbeliever partner separates, let it let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. So in, in those cases, um, it, it appears that you're freed from the bonds of marriage. Um, God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband, or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife. And I'll say this, and I'll, I'll hear some more, that um, uh, more times than I can count on my hands, I've seen this very thing happen, like to, to many people that go to my church, that um, one spouse believes and the other spouse doesn't. And, you know, sometimes it's 10 years later or 15 years later, the husband comes to believe, right? And so, the, the the point put forth on this is that um, you you we we actually have no idea um, what God is working behind the scenes to make these things happen, right? You you don't know if you being obedient to living with this unbelieving person, you don't know if that will end up in their salvation or not. I guess I'll say it like that. Go ahead, Sir. Amen. And I don't want to get too far off on this, but as far as this is uh, says about the uh, for the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife and vice versa. Uh, is At least in the Old Testament, you have things that were holy that you can make holy. They're not holy things, but they can become holy. In other words, they can be used for service to God. And so uh, that's what I truly believe this is saying here, is that uh, is that you're, if you are, say the woman is married to an unbelieving husband, she can still have interactions with this unbelieving husband because he's made holy. He's allowed. She's allowed to have these experiences, whether it be uh, uh, making love to the husband or whatever the case may be, having children, all these things, because because uh, uh, because she is what is causing the husband to become holy. There is even situations where, like, if they wouldn't let certain clothes clothing touch people, because it would consecrate them the moment that it touches them, and so that's what I believe is happening here. But I could be wrong on that. No, I could because in most translations. This word holy is not there. It's um, it's uh, sanctified, which means clean. So exactly what, you know, they're made clean in that way. But verse 16, now here, Deja, it, it's, you know, I, I said I'm, I'm, I'm most dreading the conversation between me and God about what happened between me and my wife. Um, but imagine the conversation that this person in verse 16 has where they said, I refuse I'm a believer and I refuse to to live with this unbeliever, even though they wanted to live with me. And God's saying, um, hey, if if you would have stuck with it for six more months, this person was going to be saved. But now they're not, you know, like 
we we just don't know and to me that's um that's very scary you know because because it does happen so what what you got to say deja i had a question um but it's not as important what i feel like the holy spirit wants me to say to you ben this is the second time you've said that i'm you're not looking forward to the conversation you have to have with god and i knew he wanted me to say this the first time but i didn't you can have that conversation now that's the first thing there is no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus there's a difference between conviction and condemnation and we've had a couple of calls now that i'm thinking about it where you've had a similar saying i'm not saying i i that you're not going to be held accountable or that god won't have something to say about it but the way you are wording it is almost like you don't believe that god has forgiven you you can have that conversation with god now no. you don't need to be saying it and, and and maybe you're not it's just how it's sounding in a way that maybe you have a, a fear of maybe um all, that's the only way i can think of it think of it as is condemnation but there's no condemnation in christ jesus and like the voice said a couple of times and not just in your situation but in a lot of our choices all things work together for the good of those who love the lord that's the word all things yeah yeah you we still have to give an account absolutely but i also think um when he says all things work together for the good of those who love the lord i had i had those situations not with somebody being married to me but people that maybe have passed away that i felt like i should have said more about this or i should have said more about this it doesn't mean we're not held accountable because we are um but we have to keep in mind that we are not god god does not put all of his plans i mean we see it in scripture and all of his hope in us <laughs> that's not how it works i mean we see it with david and saul god keeps the backup god knows how to penetrate somebody's heart god knows how to get to somebody whether we do what we're supposed to do or not because he's god but i really felt led to say that right then but i did have a question but i don't think it was as important but i just wanted to say yeah that. and let me respond to why i say things like that um Yes, I've, I've spoken to God about it, and yes, I believe that He has forgiven me uh, with these things. But but I say things like that because I also believe um, Him and I are likely to have a face to face conversation about this thing. And it's way like whatever you can say about about God being in our hearts and in our lives and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I perceive it as way easier. To have these conversations uh, when uh, the creator of all the heavens and the earth is not standing directly face to face um, apart from me, knowing that all things will work out good, and and knowing that I am forgiven for all those things, um, I still I, I still have a very great fear for the holy God, and um, and that will be no more apparent. Then when I have to give this account, you know, that I don't want to give, you know, and, and I, I look at like, um, you know, we were talking about porn earlier. Um, you know, I would be shocked if my parents didn't know that um, as as a younger man that I watched porn, um, like I, I feel like they probably knew that was happening. Um, but there was never a face-to-face -face conversation with what actually happened. And that would be, and that's clearly worse than me just knowing that they know about it. You know what I'm saying? So, um, 
so I, you know, I, I don't want to come off to anybody that um, that forgiveness doesn't happen on this earth and all that because I believe all everything that you're saying is happening. But also, um, at least in my mind, uh, I'm convinced that there is a um, uh, a dreadful expectation of judgment is how Scripture puts it. And so, uh, and you know, and that judgment doesn't. In my case, it won't, or in, in our cases, um, it it doesn't lead to death, but it's still there, you know. And so, and it's still dreadful. And painful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very much dreadful, you know. So, uh, I'll, I'll be I'll be way happier once that portion of my life is complete, you know. So, I'll just say it like that. But thank you. Amen. Uh, God, you got me all sweaty now. <laughs> okay. I know. You know what, Ben? I, res- I think what you said just now was the perfect response in the sense that the, what you said at the beginning is it's, it's more, it's less about feeling condemned. It's more just about having a fear of God. Because yeah. I agree with you. Even the things that we think, oh my gosh, God's going to want to talk to us about. The word says, who can discern the mind of God? He might bring up something that I didn't even know I did for real. Like, I, I know I did it, but I didn't think it was a big deal. You know what I'm saying? I, <laughs> and it's like, then you just feel like we have no idea. That's the part that scares me. I'm like, what if it's not any of the stuff I'm thinking about? It's something so much bigger to him because I'm not him. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I understand. Uh, you know, best case scenario, um, that time comes and he said, and he says, uh, you're wrong about all this. You're saved. Um, go over there um, and stand on the left. And, I, and, you know, and I hope that happens, but it sure doesn't seem like it happens, you know. So, it, but if it does, you know, hallelujah. But where you, where you got wrong? Hey, you muted. Oh man, his headset. No, I was looking at it the same way. I have a, you know, even though I know that, yes, it's forgiven, but we still have to give this account. And like Savoy pointed out a scripture to me a long time ago that for the things that we do know and the things that we don't know, either we're going to be lightly beaten or heavily, I know I'm going to get the smack down from the top rope, right? Um, but it's still, it's, it's very fearful. And I honestly, I believe it's a good thing to be fearful. Like to, he says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He won't, he's, he's giving us a heads up. <laughs> it's, it's not games that he's playing. It's just like, Hey, I'm serious about this. So, uh, Ben, I'm a hundred percent with you. It's a, a fear factor that needs to be there in our lives to keep us humble. Um, and, uh, and allows us to really walk hand in hand with him, understanding at any time he can strike us anytime he wants to. And so I'm I'm also at that same point in my life where I have to be conscious of that fear and remember who he is at all times. Amen. I was going to say something really quick. It gives to me a new light of the scripture that says he will wipe away all tears. Yeah. It, uh, it, it almost sounds like the tears are happening at this point where the blows are happening. And so, uh, so yeah, so comfort is coming, but there's definitely going to be some uh some chastising it looks like we're going to, have to answer for mm-hmm. what okay. you got Jesse? oh go ahead oh no i was gonna say i agree i don't want to think i'm saying don't fear god please don't think that's what i'm saying <laughs> that's no, the first thing. That. that's not no, what no, no. i'm saying no i but wasn't, I wasn't say, saying I was that say, 
Okay, I was gonna say, oh my gosh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> no, only thing I knew no. for a fact that you were saying is you don't want to be with that boy. That's all I was hearing you saying. That, that was it. No, that's you know what's crazy is that's really not what I'm saying. If y'all only knew, but it's just that I want to be. I you know we get to a place. That's what I was about to say. The fear of God to me, it doesn't even just humble us. I feel like it keeps you obedient, right? Because God is multifaceted, right? I will wipe every tear from your eyes. I separate your sin as far as, you know, the east is from the west. But then also, you know, whooping is coming. You know, you have to give an account. My life is hidden in Christ. I love that word because that means I don't even want you to really to look over here. I just want you to see Jesus. <laughs> look away. But um, it's just like, I think it keeps us obedient because I say, and this is me being honest, y'all, I would say to God in my prayer time all the time, God, I don't want to love anything or anyone more than you. And I'm a young lady. And it's very easy to, and I've done it before. In this relationship, put it before God. I've been gravely disappointed. And it took a lot of that for me to realize I need to just focus on God. So whatever he says, I need to do, even if it breaks my heart, even if I'm crying. And I, at, at one point, I was literally telling God, I'm going to be mourning this. Literally, you're going to have to help me. I'm going to be mourning this. But I would rather do this now than marry this person 30 years into it something else happened and or you know whatever or, or even just a punishment just for disobedience because we don't know what that, how god will respond to what we do especially if you choose to reveal this to me because like i said y'all i have been praying about this but just recently is when he chose right and god's timing is god's timing so if you even choose to answer and made sure i understood it black and white and then i go do something else how, what's to say not only will I have to suffer a bigger heartbreak, but I might have a whooping too, an earthly whooping, a judgment whooping. Like it's just, no, I just would rather be honest. If I say I love you more than absolutely anything, absolutely anyone, because what did he say? Your mother, your father, your sisters and brothers, your you have to you have to put him before every single person. But don't think that just because I sound like this, that it's just what I want to do. You just know, just pray for me. <laughs> just pray for me. Amen. All right. So let's go to the Deuteronomy. Is that, is that what's next? Okay. So um, Deuteronomy 7, 3 through 5 says, you shall not intermarry with them. Um, talking about the, the them there are the people of the lands that um, they are inhabiting the promised land. Right. So he, he's telling them, like, when you go into the promised land, don't intermarry with the people that are there giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons, for they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you and he would destroy you quickly. So uh, so the Old Testament um, scripture on this, in this very specific instance is, well, and not this very specific instance, because he says it several times that you should, that the, the people of Israel were set apart and they're not to be tainted by everyone else, right? And so he, he's saying here, you, sh you should do, not do that. The commandment is to, um, if you're going to obey the commandment, don't do this thing first, right? And so um, what was the uh, scripture we just read about? Um, oh, being un une unevenly yoked. So um, it, this is, to me, one of the places where, Israel and um, Christians uh, differ um, slightly because I think this is still this, 
I perceive that this is still their commandment, right? That they should they they are still a people set apart or whatever. But um, Paul goes on and later on and uh, further in this chapter seven, and he talks about whatever condition you find yourself um, whenever you become saved, continue in that that condition, right? And but he says, but if you know if you're unmarried and you're saved and you want to become married, you should do it. But the commandment is that you should not be unequally yoked whenever you do that. Um, so the previous scripture that we read um, talks about what if you find what ought to happen when you find yourself uh, like you, two people are married and now you're saved and your and your spouse is not saved. And he gave commands as as far as that, you know. And so, um, but one hundred percent of the time. Uh, a person that is already a Christian should absolutely not marry somebody that isn't a Christian, right? Because they're unequally yoked. And so that's that's why I brought up to Deuteronomy 7, that if, if, if you're in this situation when you become saved and the person wants to live with you, uh, you're stuck, for lack of a better word. The commandment is to stay. But the commandment also is if you're unmarried and you're saved, you are not to marry someone that is not saved. Does that make sense? Any comments or questions? And then, and he didn't have the scripture up, but uh, y'all can turn to it. Um, the the story, I think the story that Savoy was going to tell um, earlier uh, happens in Ezra chapter 9 and 10. Um, so these people are coming back from exile. Oh boy, you already got it. Uh, I'm actually going to start in 9, um, 13 probably, Savoy. Uh, 12 maybe. Um, and so, um, you know, in, in Ezra, these people are, are coming back to Jerusalem and um, they've been in exile all this time. And um, it's found out that they've married all these people that Deuteronomy told them absolutely not to marry, right? And so 12 uh, reads, therefore, do not give your daughters to their sons, neither take their daughters for your sons and never seek their peace or prosperity that you may be strong and eat, eat the good of the land and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great guilt, seeing that you, our God, have punished us less than our iniquities deserved and have given us such remnant as this, shall we break your commandments again and intermarry with the people with the peoples who practice these abominations. Would you not be angry with us until you consumed us so that there should be no remnant nor any to escape? O oh Lord, the God of Israel, you are just, for we are left a remnant that has escaped as it is today. Behold, we are before you in our guilt, for none can stand before you because of this. And so the, the people come to Ezra and the, and the priest and they say, um, got you know we really blew it and um and now we realize that we shouldn't have intermarried with these people right and so the question is like does god permit divorce in this way in this unyoked way and i think it's different than what paul is saying in in first corinthians 7 um maybe because uh, 
since Jesus did what he did, our bodies are now his temple. Um, and and something else, like he's able to make unsaved people sanctified in that way, in that in that marriage relationship, you know, uh, for the sake of godly offspring, as we as we talked before. But I'll, I'll read uh, the rest of uh, chapter 10 or, or what I'm going to read. So it says, while Ezra prayed and made confession, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, a very great assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him out of Israel for the people wept bitterly. And Shechaniah, the son of uh, Jehiel, of the sons of Elam, addressed Ezra. We have broken faith with our God and have married foreign women from the peoples of the land. But even now there is hope for Israel in spite of this. Therefore, let us make a covenant with our God to put away all these wives and their children according to the counsel of my Lord and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God and let it be done according to the law. Arise for it is your task and we are with you. Be strong and do it. Then Ezra arose and made the leading priests and the Levites and all Israel take an oath that they would do as has been said so they took the oath. Um, and then the story goes on. So it, it appears to me that, um, you know, before we would use this as an example of God being okay with any of uh, any instance of turning away unyoked people, that they did this, it appears, for the very specific reason of um, God has made a promise to Israel that. Uh, or to Abraham, rather, that him and his descendants would inherit the land that they are now in in this place. And because they have intermarried and all these kids are not Israel, then um, the easiest way to say it is that divorce is allowed in order that his promise would remain true, that Abraham's descendants would be the ones that would possess the land, all right? And so um, in my estimation, we as Christians uh, don't have that excuse, right? And it appears that this never happens again um, in the Bible. So I, I can't speak on how he, how he feels about it continually, but in this situation over and over again, um, because they put away the wives and the children, it's because there, there's a promise that God is, is fulfilling for Abraham in that way. Um, questions? What you got, Deja? I don't know um, if y'all would agree, but I had an aunt that would used to tell me when we would talk about marriage that um, because a lot of times people just marry who they want to marry that god might not ordain it um but god honors it because of how he says that he feels about marriage i think from what you just read about um you know marrying intermarrying with people who are in that case they were just not serving the lord right but in any case intermarrying with people god doesn't want us to marry it just seems like Y'all tell me if I'm wrong. I believe everybody on this call is, we're chosen by God, right? Even to be on this call, to be connected with each other, to have these conversations for whatever his purposes are. 
And God just seems from his word very orderly. And so it's almost like intermarrying from the way you even just read it and how they wanted really to reverse it. And I saw you didn't read it, but where he was saying um, Ezra was um, mourning, right? Because of their not, this is after they said they're going to fix it, right? They're going to try to fix it. But just mourning because, uh, you know, of their behavior, it just makes me feel like there's some type of contamination almost to the order that God has for us when we do it, you know, anything out of his will, but to marry somebody is to come into like a lifelong covenant, it's at least in the way that I understand marriage, Americanized, right? Out for better, for worse, until death do his part, right? A lifelong covenant, that's, it, it's almost like, how do I say it? How do I explain it? It's almost like God is showing us th that it's so serious to him because it really affects Maybe even like you're saying, down to our children, down, you know, down to if the children are clean, if the children aren't clean, it's like there's God is just so strategic and, and really orderly. That's like the word that's coming to mind. It's, and it's like it's some type of contamination that's occurring or some type of um, uncleanliness that's occurring. And a lot of times I know we say, oh, Old Testament. But to me, I mean, God is the same God. If, if, it, if he didn't want us to read it, it wouldn't be in here. And I feel like he's just trying to show us how serious it is. Not that it can't be atoned for, or, or you know, cause it sounds like they tried it. <laughs> like we do try to go back and fix something, but how, how really serious it is to do what he says to do the first time. Amen. And uh, that, so this goes back to when you was asking your question originally that, you know, what about a person who has had all these connections prior this is the only thing that uh, this is actually the direction I was going with. I'm glad that Ben uh, was going the direction also that there are certain things such as this, where he says uh, to to do away with. And I'm not saying to uh, to divorce a person, but when we were talking about you know fornicating and then the person the two becoming one, uh, so this would be the uh, the putting away of that. If that makes sense. Is is what I'm looking at it as. Yeah, and so. You know, when you read this whole, and it, it goes on through uh, further in chapter 10, but um, you'll notice what doesn't happen is um, there is never a mention of the Lord commanding this to happen. Um, these people, you know, they, how, how they say, uh, should we continue to um, break the commandments of God again? You know, and so um you know perhaps god was pleased and perhaps this is what he wanted but there's never a a, a saying um like these these people wanted to do this you know because and, and in my mind because they knew that this was going to continue in this way but i brought this uh i wanted to end with this scripture because of the way paul put it to us in the uh starting in verse 12 of chapter 7 um, where he's well, at the end of it on verse 16, he said, how do you know wife, whether you will save your husband or how do you know husband, whether you will save your wife? If these people had not done this, um, God would have still worked it out. Right. And I know that because of, um, who's the, the person that the, uh, spies went to, uh, when they were checking out the, yeah. land Rahab. 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 um, so 
she's in the genealogy uh, genealogy of Jesus, right? She is not a Jew. And so, uh, you know, God has the uh, same thing with uh, Naomi's people. Um, you know, these people are not Jewish people. So God has a way of working all this mess out. So perhaps this is exactly what he wanted, but also um, we don't know what he would actually do. Does that make sense? What were you going to say, Deja? Okay, well, uh, before, Deja, before oh. you jump in right quick, I just want to say I'm really, really, I'm sorry. The, uh, the only reason I say this, it, that this, that there can be made a case that this is what he wanted, mm -hmm. is it in that verse 11, it says, make a confession to Yahweh or the Lord, the God of your fathers, and do his will. Yeah. Separate yourselves from the surrounding peoples and your foreign wives. Mm -hmm. And I meant, I meant to look, because at the end of this, what verse was it? Um, I was going to see if anything said about these people. On um, verse 15, it says, of uh, chapter 10, it said, Only Jonathan, the son of uh, whatever his name is, and Jahazi, uh, the son of Hikvah, opposed this. And uh, these other two people and the Levites supported them. Um, so everybody agreed to divorce their wives except these specific people. And these other specific people agreed with them. And so... Um, Maybe one of y'all want to look into these people and see what, you know, I'm kind of curious about what um, might have happened to these people that didn't put away their wives, you know. And, and I always say that because either something really good happened or something really bad happened, you know, like in, in, in the way I'm looking at, you know, and so um, anyway. Okay, what you got, I just wanted to ask. Um... And I was going to say that as well, because you said, well, I'm not really sure if God wanted them to do this. It's kind of like what uh, G was asking earlier, right? When he said, well, you come to the knowledge of Christ. We, My belief is that you only come to the knowledge of God or how God might feel about something through his spirit or through him revealing it to you in some sort of way. We are just naturally evil. We don't know what we're supposed to be doing. And I think that them feeling this way and knowing we have sinned should we keep going on sinning was that revelation and even when he was scrolling it said we need to do this to avert the fierce anger of our god we need to do this to just we don't want to get no more trouble basically and i think that something like that can only come from god i mean sin doesn't tell you to walk away from sin but i thought about the scripture that i was going to ask or, or why i believe that is he talks about if your eye causes you to sin pluck it out so it's like it's almost like the word is saying, or not almost, by any means necessary, separate yourself from sin or separate yourself from anything that causes you to sin. And so in this case, they intermarried with people. Uh, it makes me think of, um, what is his name? Solomon. They intermarried with people who are going to cause them to sin. I mean, it, you, it's so hard. I, I don't know how you could possibly be, be with somebody every single day that worship some other God, you know, or whatever the case is, you know, it's going to entice me to sin, right? Somebody's going to get one over. And so I think that that's more of what it was, is separating them, not like you said, because it doesn't necessarily say divorce. It just says send them away. Um, yeah, that's divorce, though, just to give you a heads up. That is, that's absolutely divorce. Okay, I'm saying you didn't use that word, but yeah, it says to send them away. So that means you just need to separate. <laughs> you need to separate from what's going to cause you to sin, so you don't. It's just like, that's how I interpret it. It's by any means necessary, get away. <laughs> just get away from sin. Get away from anything. Get away. Like, and, and not even just in, mar in marriage, 
but in anything, just just get away from it. Yeah, and and I guess I'll I'll end this this lesson with um, you know, the way this Ezra chapter nine, I mean chapter ten ends is interesting. Um, that we you know whether that's the an oath that we make before God to the person we're marrying or just oaths in general, um, you know, there's a reason why at the end of this it says these specific people and it's just a few people decided not to put away their wives. And then in verse 18, it says, now there were found some of the sons of the priests who married foreign women and blah, blah, blah. And it, it goes on at the bottom uh, somewhere. And it said, basically these people made an oath to put away with their wives and then they did it. You know, and it's just like, why, why is all this recorded? Um, it's because like, you know, whether putting away their wives was the right thing or wrong thing, 100% the wrong thing to do was to make an oath to the Lord that you're going to put away your wife and then you don't do that thing. <laughs> you know, so, and, and, and it lists all these people, you know, and it's just like, geez, you know, like, um, it, you know, it seems as though God is paying attention to the affairs of men on earth and, um, and we should just be careful. Amen. What you got, Daisy? Sorry, y'all. I know I always drag these out. It's just because when y'all say things or I see something, it just sparks a thought. I see right here in this verse, I think it's 44, but it's on my phone, so I'm not sure. But it says, all of these had married foreign women and some of the wives had given birth to children. I'm a firm believer God does not waste words in his word. And so seeing that, he not only is, like he said, not only is he pointing out, yeah, these people did not do what they're supposed to do to us right like where anybody to even know that but he's pointing that out to us but not only that letting us know it's documented but also letting us know some of these people had children too it's almost like he's showing us one i see you because like you said we 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 don't know these people <laughs> we we i mean this is a lot and that's how a lot of people feel like, i'll be honest that's how i feel it's a lot of names god this is a lot of names of people i don't know but you he's doing that for a reason and it's like it's the same thing with us but not just showing us that we're going to be held accountable for our sin and that he knows us by name specifically what we're doing but also that it affects the next generation or it affects whoever god placed in your life for it to affect and not only do you need to know that but he knows that and he interprets it that way because it doesn't just say they didn't do what they're supposed to do it says and some of them had kids some of them had children so I don't know. I think that is it's back and kind of in that fear section of there's a reason that that is there. And I really tr truthfully, Ben, I don't want to know what happens. <laughs> I don't want to know. I just want to do what I'm supposed to do. I'll, I'll say something. I'll let uh, the other two guys speak. But, um, you know, I would be shocked. You know, you know, history is interesting to me. And so the, the fact that it says some of these people um, have even born children, um, you know, it seems to me that it's quite possible that some of these people's children's descendants are the ones that continually continually fight with the Jews to this day. You know, and so I always wonder if like when these things are put into the, the scripture like this, it's just like, oh, like Israel has an enemy. And um and it's it's almost as if though they created their own enemy, you know. So hey man, what you got, G? I like to um, to point out that it just goes to show how serious you must be in this walk. Yeah. To walk away from your wife, 
to walk away from even your own children. Um, and I don't mean to put sound like I'm putting children over a wife, but to see you created life and you still have to say, God, I'm so serious about you. I'm willing to even make it look like I hate them. And I say that because the scripture talks about um, it should look like you hate your mother and hate your father and hate your like from the outside looking in a worldly person look at that person and be like oh he's he's evil from walking away but from god's perspective it's almost it's like he's saying that's how i know he or she is mine like i know they're mine because of the actions that you're choosing to do so this uh this faith that we have is solely uh not solely but i, I love how we really have to put forth a walk, not just our faith, but it's a faith plus actions. So yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that even being in the Bible because it just goes to show again, we have to be willing to walk this out. It's not going to be easy. Amen. What you got, Deja? I feel like today me and Ron, and Ron is that how you say it, Ron, are on the same thoughts. Like, I think we're thinking the same thing today because even what you just said, you know about it being their children and being their wives it be basically their family right their home unit their structure whatever god expects us to do that but even if it's not right your child or your wife like even if god says leave a job or i need you to stop listening to this type of music or stop drinking or whatever the case is it's like we struggle it's kind of like a not not a good thing what i'm saying because it's like, why do we struggle so much with stuff that's so minuscule in comparison, right? Like giving away, walking away from your family and, and your family unit, I mean, we can agree is a big deal, right? It's all small compared to God, but, and it's like, he, he says, stop cussing and we just struggle or stop fornicating and it just takes months or stop. It's like, what are you doing? And I just think, like you said, it does go to show how serious you have to be, but it's not even that for me. It goes to show the way that he documented it, that the same way it's documented in the word, it's documented somewhere else on our behalf. I think that's what is really getting me is seeing all of these had married foreign women and some of the wives had given birth to children because it's not just documented in, you know, in the word for them. It's documented somewhere for us. Every single choice that we're making in response to, like, like somebody said a second ago, to tell God, I'm going to give this up. You know, I'm I'm gonna leave her, whatever the case is. And then I saw they were making excuses like it's raining, and I I y'all were scrolling through it, but I was looking at it like what? They're like, let's just do it in seasons. Can't do this in one day. <laughs> it's like we do the same thing. We do the same thing with God. Maybe not about the same thing, but okay, God, just I I am gonna stop talking to them or you know being their friend or whatever. But I mean, they're going through a hard time or. Or whatever. I was just, y'all, I'll, I'll clown myself. I was just using this example with myself. Got this person going through our time. I'm going to do what you said, but shit. And it's like, and he had to get on me. Why, why is it so hard for us to listen when some of these people are making the right decisions? That's, those are people we're supposed to be following. We're supposed to be following up from Jesus, first of all. But we need to be reading this type of stuff so we know it's not impossible. You know, it's not, it's not impossible. It's not that they walked away and then they were wrong and God's even more angry than before. I feel like that's what he wants us to do even when we find God is that's how we know, right? We know them by their fruit. Do you find God and not walk away from sin so you can just keep angering God? Like people say, oh, the grace of God. And But I feel like, is that not taking advantage now that you know about it? You just want to keep going 
the wrong way. You know, it, it doesn't make sense. I know it's kind of like a little conviction for me just now. Like, why is it so hard for us as a body to do the little stuff? These people are walking. The people that do what they're supposed to do are are doing what they're supposed to do. You know, why is it so hard? I don't understand. I, I feel like we make it harder if we just trust that God wholeheartedly, seriously. I feel like it would. It's not that hard, but we just don't trust Him all the way. We just wonder, well, how am I going to eat, or how am I going to, am I going to find love again, or 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 you know my kids bring me fulfillment whatever these people could have been thinking to keep them from obeying god but it's like i mean look at joe this is god we're talking about this is god you know i don't i just i don't know just go for thought and i'll say something let ron uh finish it up but um you know there's also the thought process of like what is actually the right thing to do you know um you know you think about uh abraham's um son what's the other son's name ishmael you know he, he he put him away because of his wife uh but he still sought the lord on behalf of him and the lord still blessed ishmael you know and so um you know so we could look at this ever verse and and say like everything worked out exactly as it was supposed to work out um but maybe if they had um sought a different path it would have worked out exactly as it was supposed to work out anyway you know what i'm saying so it's, it's not always clear um i'm gonna stop short and saying that the people of israel did a good thing here you know uh perhaps they did but um perhaps there was another way that they didn't seek you know and so and i i say that you know it's kind of dangerous to say that kind of stuff you know or it's uh i, I don't i don't say it lightly but um there's uh our thoughts are not our thoughts and the fact are not his thoughts and the fact that these people came up with this plan doesn't mean necessarily that it was the right plan you know okay wait i know Ron. i know you're about to say something but to ben just to respond really quick i i'm not understanding what you're saying only not only in your in your terms pushback for that is walking away from sin is always going to be the right decision biblically you're not supposed to continue in sin that that's my understanding of what I've read and my understanding of coming to the knowledge of Christ is that when he finds every single one of us, we are walking in sin, whether we know it or not, or whether we wanted to, whatever the case is. So I think maybe I'm, I could, and I could be, you know, and I'm not trying to be offensive, misunderstanding what you're saying, but like, it's, you know, like, it, like you said in the word where, you know, it do his will, like the boy pointed out. So I think, I think they, they did the right thing. You know, I don't think it was, I think maybe what you're trying to say is God could have worked it out any, you know, any other way. But as far as the choices that they made, I think that they definitely made the right choice. Because as we were just talking about, I also don't think it would have been highlighted the people that didn't in the way that, that it is, if, if that makes sense. That's my only pushback to that. And then, Ron, you, you can have the floor. <laughs> no, that's fine. Hold on. Let me say something, Ron. Um, the only reason I say that is because um, the scripture very clearly says, uh what god has put together let no man separate and these people definitely separated and so um maybe it was for the good but make no mistake for them to put their wives and their kids out was a sin. they had to go through that sin process it was still a sin now they shouldn't have been in that they sinned to get to that and then there's and so maybe they actually stopped sinning their track by committing this one more sin you know that's the way i'm looking at it, but you know it's, it's 
to me, like scripture is extremely clear that married that that he hates divorce, right? And you know, he it was it was also very clear that they weren't supposed to marry these people in the first place. I get that, but make no mistake, um, at least in my estimation, um, what they did was also a sin. But perhaps it was to keep them from other sin. I guess does that make sense? So they're about to get they're about to get wiped out, man. Yeah, they, they, they were. Uh, so the only reason I want to bring up, uh, uh, well, I push back on that, is because uh, this isn't man separating them. This is God actually doing the separating. It said this is His will. He wants y'all to separate. And that, and and so because of this, we can't take this and just give everybody else a reason to go and divorce for for for. Uh, for for be, becoming unequally yoked. So uh, do you have do you have that scripture? Because when I was reading, and maybe right I just, but um, uh, in verse uh, uh, verse eleven. So therefore, make confession to Yahweh, the God of your fathers, and do his and do his will. Separate yourself from the surrounding peoples and your foreign wives. Yeah. So I'm just saying, it's just because you're right, he says that no man should should uh, should tear apart. Yeah. But this appears to be God's doing. Okay. Great stuff. I love it. What you got, Deja? I was just gonna say that's also what I was trying to bring up earlier when we first when I first joined the call, um, and I was telling y'all, um, that I that I think when God tells you flee from this person, get away from this person, or whatever the case is, even if y'all had been intimate before and you've repented, or even if you hadn't, because I don't know if they had repented, they clearly had to change your heart, right? And repentance to go the other way, and that's, that's what they did. So I guess if they did repent, um, but that's what I was saying, is that it's not man, it's not one of us saying, oh, I just want to be with you anymore, never mind. It's God inter intervening and saying, and that's why I was saying, uh, I think that's why it's a little bit different, kind of like you said, is that if God is saying no, do something else, then that is him separated me you know not i feel this type of way i'm just gonna do this that's what i was trying to say earlier if that mm. makes sense yeah absolutely and i feel like this was actually your answer to it this whole ezra uh thing that we're going over right here i yes, agree sir. i agree hey we've been stepping all over g what you got i've been i've been sitting here patient uh taking it all in but uh you know something that was you know brought up to my attention some time ago it was a, a simple statement, and it was, if God asks you to release something um, and you hold on to it, you're showing who you are truly serving. Um, and so <clears throat> by their actions, they showed themselves worthy of being able to say, I serve my Lord. And so it is, you know, we already went way past it, but at that time I was like, man, it took me back to, you know, um, him having to sacrifice his son on that mountain. He wanted his, you know, he wanted his son, even though he already had faith that if he did sacrifice his son, he was going to come back. It's just purely the action within itself. Um, him going, doing those actions throughout the entire Bible, you see people doing the action. So I just like the fact that you see it throughout the entire Bible of God's people truly showing that they serve the Lord by their actions. Why do you say I'm your Lord and I do what I say do? So 
this is goes could uh, attest to that scripture itself right there. Amen. Amen. This is this is going. Uh, what you got, Deja? Sorry, I wanted to say something to Ben because G just said something and it made me think of him. In Hebrews eleven, it talks about like you said, Abraham's mindset was if God said it, it's gonna happen anyway. He can bring him back from the dead. So I'm just gonna go ahead and do it. That's what Hebrews eleven says. His how he was thinking. And I don't know why, and I'm not, I don't want you to misunderstand because I'm not comparing you to Abraham, of course. I'm just saying, well, he's just a person too, but I'm just saying something about that mindset reminds me of Ben just in the sense that, hey, God will work it out <laughs> whichever way. <laughs> like, if he has to, I don't know, just the, the way that you respond uh, about certain things, you say, you know, maybe God could have, maybe he could have gone this way, could have gone that way. And I think that's pretty cool because that is kind of, like, like as you were just saying, how the scripture says Abraham was thinking about it is, hey, God, can, God made me this promise, and so even if it goes this way, it'll still happen. And I think that's pretty cool because that that was his faith, and that's what he was committed for in that in that book. So I thought it just made me think of Ben in the sense that he's always saying, hey, maybe it could have gone this way, or it could have gone that way. I don't know. I thought that was funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think pretty differently. Uh, I live a mostly you know, I, even though I talk a, a certain way about judgment and stuff like that, I live mostly a, a fairly carefree life. And it's because of, um, I know I can't influence um, much the thoughts and actions that God is going to have for me and towards me, right? Good or bad. You know, I can't do things, do more good things to make him happier. And I can't do more bad things to make him sadder about what his ultimate um, goal is going to be. So um, I, I try to be the best person I can, but when I mess up, I um, repent and I move on with life. I don't, I don't harp on that stuff um, very long. So. I honestly thought this was going to be like a 30 minute um, session here. So <laughs> It's, it's near, I'm passing my bedtime. Maybe before I joined. <laughs> no, it's before you joined. I mean, yeah. you, you you brought the whole pornography thing. We spent a good 25 minutes on that alone. You missed it. <laughs> yeah. Dang. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, ben, I appreciate this, man. Seriously. Uh, I know this is a lot of work to get these things together and to, and to answer all these questions. Uh, he was challenged tonight. Oh boy, what's yeah. been challenged tonight? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I love it too. Because I didn't get this, I don't have to sit in the hot seat today, so it was nice. You know, my notes were like I had at least 20 other scriptures. <laughs> and I was like, I gotta simplify this because we're gonna be here all night. So yeah. God's will be done. I think you did. I didn't I forgot you were taking over this week, but I thought you did really good too. And I, I when you were uh, talking, I was like, "Oh wait, I think this is what they're talking about." Bill was taking over, but it was a blessing. Definitely answered some stuff, confirmed some stuff. So yes, sir, definitely appreciate you. Amen. Yeah. But thank you also for not shying away from the scriptures that separate us. Um, I say it multiple times that you know I, I see churches wanting to do you know they, they speak from a place that you know makes people want to come back. A lot of the scriptures that we, you know, we bring up on the on in the studies podcast, whatever you want to call it. I'm surprised, like Savoy says, that people actually return because there's nothing that we really read tonight that makes us say, oh, man, I, I can't. I'm so happy that this is taking place. 
it's uh it's stuff that at least we're at being truthful and like you just say yeah we feed the spirit we're not feeding our flesh with any of the things that we're saying we're, we're being very authentic and ben you did a very good job of doing that today preparing people for the truth and nothing's going to change from the truth the truth is our lord and savior jesus christ and this is what he expects of us and if you don't like it hey it's a tough pill to swallow but it's a, it's, you did a wonderful job thank you thank you i'm a big believer in um correct theology is good for people's soul you know so like whether it's good or bad in the end uh it's all of all of scripture is profitable you know so amen all right well uh we'll say a prayer to uh to close us out then and god willing we'll be back together next week with another with another uh topic feel free to drop more topics in there because we because we definitely can use some more to fill it up fill up the coffers uh g you want to pray us out absolutely you know what i'm gonna go ahead and pass it to deja deja oh my gosh y'all will know something i have to tell y'all i will force the voice that we're gonna close and pray because y'all usually don't say it I feel like the Holy Spirit saying you need to pray. You need to pray. I was like, I pray. When we get off the call, I pray for everybody. Then when he said G, I said, Woo, almost I, I'm be honest. I'm like, Woo, <laughs> G can do it. And then when he said it, I was like, uh, <laughs> in a good way. It's just why 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 would be the media? I don't know. But okay. Well, Father God, I come before you humbly and I, I just thank you. We we really all we thank you god for your word the fact that we even have access to your word to be able to do something like this openly god is such a blessing where we are help us not to take your word for granted and not just to rely on these calls but to get in your word for ourselves and to really spend time with you in your word god i cover everybody on this call in the blood of jesus i pray you will command your angels concerning every single one of us to guard us in all our ways God, I cover our families, our friends, our health, travel, everything connected to us in the blood of Jesus and pray your will be done and no weapon formed against us shall prosper. God, I ask forgiveness for every single one of my sins that you forgive every brother and sister on this call for all of their sins, God, according to your will, according to your word, and according to the blood of Jesus. I pray that you would direct us in our week. I pray that you would grow us in you deeper and and just expand our knowledge not just of the word and how we can apply it to our lives god but of you of your character of who you are of who we're getting ready to meet and face at some point in time and dwell with for all eternity god we're so thankful that you chose us that you are choosing right now to develop us in this way again i, I cover every mind thank you god every spirit on this phone call every soul on this call in the blood of jesus that we will continue in the way you had already predestined for us to to walk down the path you had already made and created for us before we ever even opened our eyes on this earth, God. We are thankful. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. And Holy Spirit, I pray you will intercede. Jesus, I pray you will intercede. Anything we're forgetting to... The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.